coming to you not live from the Netflix studio located deep under the Pacific Ocean. This is episode 16. To my right is J.M. Thomas. Are we 20,000 leagues <laughs> under the Pacific Ocean? Across from me is Austin Kent. Thank you for noticing me. This is the Nerdflix podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Ba-bow. Welcome, everybody. Uh, episode 16, like I said. Milestones. Milestones. This is our sweet 16, which means we can lose our virginity now in it's some our, states. It's our quinceanera. <laughs> wait, no, no, wait, that's, that's 14. 15? 15. Wait, wait, there's some state that's 14? Let me... I'm never, <laughs> never even drive through that state. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, quinceanera had nothing to do with the uh, legal limit of consensual I didn't sex. hear that part. I just heard 14. No, <laughs> he he said quinceanera, and then he thought no, quinceanera was fourteen years, but it's really fifteen years, I think. Thank Unless God. it's sixteen. I'm, I'm happy about this misunderstanding, personally. <laughs> so we know what it gets in is young enough. We know it gets Austin hard, but John, <laughs> what gets you hard this week? Uh, what gets me hard is, um, you know, if I were to ask you, what is the number one watched Netflix original TV show, and what would it be? And is this what you was this your story? No. Oh, sorry. I was just staring him down for that last comment. <laughs> He's glaring at me about the 14 comment. Oh, that's right. <laughs> After the whole Polanski conversation, that's just what we need to start this episode off with. <laughs> Gonna be a great show. Anyway, Mikey, be quiet because you already know the answer to this. I do. But Austin, what would you say is the number one most watched Netflix original? You know all the Netflix originals? Uh, yeah. You got um, Earth Development. Boom. Yep. Lillehammer. Yep. Mm. House, House of, of Cards. Yeah, that was a good one. Orange is the New Black. Derek. Uh, I haven't even heard of that one. And uh, Mermaids. Something Mermaids. That one hasn't started yet, though, has it? it it's up there now. Oh, it is? Okay. Oh, I, I'm just going to guess. Oh, Hemlock Grove. Oh, yep. That one's... Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I'm just going to guess the Orange is the New Black. Yep. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess. <laughs> but I was surprised when I actually read that because, you know, how how many Emmys House of Cards got and how popular it is and then Arrested Development of course has that huge fan base wait the Emmys happened already? well yeah oh no no they got a lot of nominations okay. sorry for uh, for House of Cards right? Um, so yeah but I'm pleasantly surprised by uh, Orange is the New Black because I have been watching this show and it's pretty awesome so I'll talk more about it uh, when we get to what you've been watching but uh, I think that's pretty cool Netflix has a legitimate hit on their hands do you think all the CBS subscribers that no longer can, or no, sorry, Time Warner cable subscribers that can't watch CBS are watching Orange is the New Black? Um, I hope they are, because it's way better than anything on CBS. Oh, there you go. I didn't know about that. Yeah, apparently CBS, well, this is how they do it now. This, this is how the channels negotiate mm-hmm. with the cable companies and with the satellite companies. They always raise their prices and then threaten to just cut off the channels if the cable or satellite provider doesn't give in. Hmm. So, I mean, it happened... What was the last one that did this? DirecTV and Viacom. Yeah, and that was when we lost Nickelodeon and stuff. I remember that one because my kids love Nickelodeon and Nick Jr. and stuff. So, But yeah, that's the the broadcast uh, channels. The the, the networks are really getting kind of greedy. And not that I'm a fan of Time Warner or DirecTV or Dish Network, but... In these particular battles, I, I don't think it's their fault. I thought it was really funny that the uh, uh, New York Congress people were yelling at them 
to settle it because their constituents were out their broadcast channels. And it's really funny because they can they live in New York and they can just put a antenna on their TV and get channel two or whatever CBS. I wish we could do that. I, I think we live too far away for that. We're too far under the water, John. Yeah, that's true. It's a shame. And you know what? If Netflix could figure out a way to handle news and sports, they would have so many more subscribers. There's, I know so many people that are like, I would cut the cord and just go with Netflix, but I can't live without football. And if they could figure out some kind of deal to get some kind of sports on, I bet you that'd be they would take over so the world. expensive, though. Yeah, I'm sure it would. But they would take over the world. Even though they do have, what, 38 million subscribers now? Well, they're already taking over the world. But they would take over other worlds as well. They would conquer the moon with the NFL package. So, Austin. Hi. Do you have 14 things that make you hard? Do you have one thing that makes you hard? Yeah, I have several. <laughs> that would be ironic if there were 14. <laughs> <clears throat> he was like, how did you know? Um, well, Pixar, no, it's not even Pixar. That Planes movie, which oh. is a spinoff of Pixar's Cars. Boo. Yeah, it was released uh, today. Earlier in the week on Rotten Tomatoes, not one review had been up when I knew instantly then that was a sign that the studio had no faith in its critical appeal because they weren't letting other critics see it, really. Usually there's a few that squeak on. Um, So there's no time for bad word of mouth to develop to discourage people from going to see it opening night. But it's getting a 20% or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. 20? Wow. Whoa. That's crazy. Is that lower than Cars 2? Yeah. Wow. Um, this isn't, this is like Disney tune. It's like their B, Disney's B studio. So it wasn't even handed to anyone with any capabilities. Uh, it was going to be a direct video, but I guess Disney just thought we can up the, uh, merchandising appeal of the movie if it gets a broader distribution because they want to do now all the planes. Like Cars is a huge moneymaker just for merchandise because you buy a little, you know, matchbox ish cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward for to skateboards. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's probably gonna come after boats and trains, but skateboards I think would be fun. You know that the boats and trains things is happening, right? <laughs> no what I, I was joking. But oh no that's <laughs> skateboards? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um but this friend scoots, the racer scooter. Yeah. Because they've announced the sequel to planes and it's like planes, boats and trains or something. <laughs> oh my god. Um, anyways, yeah, so it's... Trains, planes, and cars. (laughs) It's just incredibly bizarre, because, for one thing, when Michael Eisner and, uh, John Laster slash Steve Jobs are butting heads over Pixar, um, one of the bargaining chips that Disney had was they had control over the Pixar characters, and he put into production Toy Story 3 and 4 at the same time that were going to be direct-to-video titles, and the storylines were like completely ridiculous. I think he was he was trying to say, "Hey, we got the rights to your characters, and we're just going to make quick bucks on them." And they loved those characters so much that you know they felt like they were losing their kids or like they were whoring their kids out. <laughs> like, no, that's uh, Lasseter and Eisner. Yeah, that was the fight between them. Um, and then when Eisner left the day after Iger contacted Steve Jobs, and so settled this, and that's how they got the current situation. So it's a little ironic, I guess, that Lasseter is now in charge of Disney, and this like 
complete whoring out of his characters, his beloved Kara's characters, for nothing but money. I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's nothing but money. <laughs> um, so anyways, and I think that's also damaging the brand of Pixar, even though this is a Disney movie. You know, it's the same difference at this point. Yeah. Um, the D23, uh, what you want to call it, Expo? Yeah. yeah. Is going on right now. And I got the early results of the first night. Apparently they had a three-hour uh, showcase of new animated films that are coming out. What is D23? Is just Disney's, they like give early screenings of their movies? Or what? It's kind of like Disney's Comic-Con. Oh, okay. It's been going is on. it always 23, or is this the yeah. 23rd one? No, it's always 20. They have a specific like niche club called D23. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it's kind of weird, because it would seem to be catering directly to my interests, but there's something about being directly catered that just kind of turns me off. Like, I don't know. Like, my interests in Disney are not typical, and actually they've kind of diminished over the years. But at the same time, it just seems to be... Making me into a demographic, I guess. Yeah. So, anyways, but interesting things about this night. They've announced their Pixar, Disney, and Disney Tunes entire schedule up to 2016. So, Mikey touched on Big Hero 6, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, great news. That's going to be directed by the Winnie the Pooh director. <laughs> <laughs> Is that great news, or are you being sarcastic? Are we talking about the new Winnie the Pooh? Yeah, the new one, the oh. 2011. Not, not the cool one from the 70s. Was it bad, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know but it was it was short, but it was cute. Yeah, that's cute, and that's not what you want with the Marvel. You want edgy with Marvel. Yeah, not Happy Wednesday and all that. No. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that's that's weird. Um, <clears throat> there's a movie called The Good Dinosaur, and the premise is that dinosaurs didn't die, so now they're farmers. The wait. I don't know. My brain is tr- somehow trying to make sense out of that. And they're happy? Yeah, I guess. I, I guess the idea is that they didn't die, so they're just now doing mundane things, I guess. And the movie is going to focus on a dinosaur farmer. But what's, what, what's a dinosaur that's, you know, a farmer? Well, you know what? A great way to make a movie is to take something exciting and make it mundane. So I'm glad they chose to make the dinosaur into right. a farmer. That's great. Yeah. See, I mean, The Incredibles does that for the first bit, but then that makes it all the more exciting when he breaks out and when the superhero stuff starts. And also the mundane stuff's hilarious in the context yeah. of him having that power. So they might make it work, but... Maybe I'm, he starts out as a farmer, and then by the end he gets back to his dinosaur roots and starts eating people. Yeah. Hmm. It's just... Uh, it would be great if he like, lives in the middle of a city and he just wears overalls and people just never <laughs> notice he's a dinosaur. <laughs> Yeah, I think every idea we've come up with is probably better than what's going on. <laughs> uh, the only really great news is Pete Doctor's follow-up to Up is going to come out. It's not until 2015, but... Down? No. <laughs> is it where they dig a really deep hole into hell? <laughs> Ironically, it's called Inside Out. So <laughs> we not too far off. It has no relation to Up. It's not a sequel. It's just okay. his next project. So he's really the only one that's still making creative stuff because Andrew Stanton's now doing the... Uh, Finding Dory movie. I don't know. Like, that really needed to be made. No, nothing. Is that a Finding Nemo. Book or something? Finding Nemo is a sequel to Finding Nemo. Oh, Finding Dory. oh, so, oh, the forgetful fish? Yeah, the she, one that ripped off Ellen. Memento? Yeah, she forgot <laughs> yeah. where she was. They have to go find her. Yeah. First, it tattoos herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one. Got it. Um, 
And really the worst one that they announced. Frosty? Uh, I didn't hear any. It's like Frozen. I didn't hear anything about that yet. Um, It's called Zootopia. Okay. The the premise of this movie is uh, it's a world without humans, but apparently the animals evolved to the point where they're humans. And then it's, it's how the world would look like. If you know, it was run by all the different animals, like architecture and everything. I, I just can't help but thinking, since humans are animals, <laughs> isn't it kind of condescending to think that, like, say, if, if a rodent or something became sentient, that they wouldn't also evolve their interests? It'd be like the movie where humans <laughs> build giant caves <laughs> and wear skins and, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, just the premise alone just blows my so mind. So it's going to be buildings that look like cheese and stuff. Yeah, probably. That, that kind of thing. Great. Yeah. I mean, that just sounds like they didn't think through that premise at all. Zootopia. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, and then there was a quote by Laster, um, I guess, in defense of planes, trains, and boats or whatever. <laughs> uh, when we create a film, we don't create one film. We create a world that can handle many different stories. I would say that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Yeah. Because <laughs> you create the world around the yeah. characters, and they should both relate to each other. And Plus, what he's saying there is we create something that we can milk over and over and over again yeah. for money. And again, another irony of that is um, back when they did Toy Story 2, they said, you know, the story is king. We don't want to do a sequel unless there's an inherent story from the original that we didn't get to. And in Toy Story 2, those leftover story segments they took and they worked on. So, and that's Laster himself saying that on those early interviews. <laughs> and now he's like, yeah. So you hate John Lasseter now. I just, I don't get him. Like, it, it's really perplexing. He's making lots of money. He's a sellout. But he's... He's out of ideas and he's making cash. I don't think, I think he needs it. I think he... He needs the fantasy. I think he enjoys creating these worlds as an escape. So maybe it's just nobody's there to rein him in. Like maybe he's like, I need to get more immersed in my worlds. So we need more of this going on. He needs someone to tell him no. Yeah, for sure. So uh, there's that. Because he's not really coming up with any new worlds. He's just no. I I, rehashing the same ideas. I don't think he has a new film coming out. (laughs) <laughs> he's like a he's like that musician that gets successful and then they lose their hunger to create great art and then they just try to fulfill expectations. We read. Yeah, I wasn't specifically <laughs> thinking of him, but is he a good example? I, I don't yeah. know enough about Lou Reed. But. He's a pretty great example. Well, okay, how sad. So there's that. Um, this is just random. I watched Terminator Two. Um, great movie and I was really enjoying it and I was like you know it's kind of a shame that James Cameron doesn't make movies anymore because (laughs) Aliens is an incredible film Terminator 2 is great Terminator 1 is great The Abyss is fantastic True Lies True Lies is fun so he had all these like very good popcorn movies and he Mm -hmm. he does have a distinctive style and theme and like he made Titanic and then he made Avatar yeah like he stopped making movies. It's a shame that he didn't make any movies after True Lies. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about Titanic. It, it's a it's it's a dumb story, especially the love story, especially the idea that he thought they needed to be like, say, a shootout, like when the boat was yeah. sinking. Like his narrative cliches are ridiculous, but if you're just looking at it as an attention to detail, like for the most part, 
it gives you a great sense of foreboding as this very realistic recreation of the Titanic sinks. Yeah. I just think there are certain things you can pay, you can give it credit for. I feel the same way. I can respect Titanic. I don't really enjoy it. I don't think it's good. No. But I, I can respect it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so good news. He has two films in the works that aren't Avatar 2. Um, one is called Battle Angel. It's apparently a 93 anime feature. So I'm not sure if it's a direct remake or not. But uh, a female cyborg uh, is found and put back together. And apparently it's like she's the angel of death or something like that. So that sounds very Cameron-esque. We have the strong female protagonist intertwined with technology. I mean, that's pretty much all he does. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's true, yeah. There's like a New Yorker profile of him when he was making Avatar, and it pointed out that, or he he said that he writes female dialogue as if it's a man. So he has the female that's a man, and then talking to the man that's a man. (laughs) (laughs) But if you think about Sigourney Weaver and Aliens, or you think about um, The Abyss, what's her name? Actually, I was thinking about Rose (laughs) Titanic and imagining (laughs) a man saying her lines. Well, I think that one's his most romantic idea of female. It was the most erotic. Or it was the most erotic moment of my life. Well, <laughs> I was reading somewhere that like the Alien movies, when they originally wrote them, they didn't have uh, a, an actor or a character in mind. They just wrote dialogue to fit any sex character that they decided to, to cast for <laughs> that role. And I mean, that makes sense, but it's such a man's world Yeah, in those movies. So, um, Anyways, Battle Angel actually sounds pretty interesting. Uh, he also has a movie called The Informationist. Um, this is just obtained property status, so I guess he just bought the rights. So I'm not sure what he's going to do with it. Apparently, um, this information specialist is hired by a billionaire to track down his daughter in Africa. So that sounds like a pretty mundane story. Like, and The Informationist is a dumb name. It is, but I'm sure he's going to camera it up. Yeah. Maybe Africa will sink into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Be attacked by aliens yeah. that are robotic. Shark nose. <laughs> and the daughter's not missing. She's the one re- leading the revolt against yeah. humanity. Exactly. <laughs> With these electronic elements. Uh, so that's going to be great, actually, now that we've <laughs> talked about that more. I'm glad to hear that, though. I actually like James Cameron, and I wish he made more movies, even if some of them end up crappy. Because mm-hmm. I'd like to see more Terminators, more True Lies, you know, those type of movies, and I don't know if anybody makes those type of movies better than he does, right. or better than he used to. Anyway. Yeah, than he used to. Is like from Terminator through, let's be generous and say True Lies. That was a pretty yeah. damn good run. Yeah, and I to this day I haven't seen Avatar, and I don't, I think I'll die without ever seeing it. I have no interest in watching that. Yeah, um, don't bother. Yeah, that's so, kind of what I've heard. It's if I'm being generous, I'll say it's okay. There are moments that I thought were okay, but the story is so rote, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I guess the 3D aspect of it was its main appeal. The CG in 3D? Yeah. Um, I guess. Speaking of Avatar, though, you know how he has Avatar 2 and 3 coming out? Um, and this, Is somebody else directing those, then? No, he see, he was going to. His, his schedule was completely tied up with Avatar for the oh. foreseeable future. He's even working with Disney to create an avatar land in Animal Kingdom in Walt Disney World. Wow. Which doesn't make any sense at all, but we'll just let that go by. Um, now it has a 2016 release 
which already makes it seven years after the first one, but it's only in treatment status, <laughs> which means it's not even a fucking script for it. So I think it's, I think he's pushing it to the back burner. I think he realized, oh, I didn't have a storyline for the first one. So yeah. how am I going to make the other? I like how they're just like moving on and pretending like everybody loved it. When really nobody's hoping, like, I hope they make Avatar Land. But he's just, yeah. like, in his own little world, he's like, this was a smashing success. Everybody wants more of this. Right. Like, does anybody even want to see an Avatar sequel? I haven't heard one person that liked it that much. I don't know. I heard a lot of um, younger people loved it. Right. I mean, I know I made a lot of money, but, you know, what was it up against? Mm-hmm. And plus, it was a spectacle. People had expectations. So, of course, it made a lot of money. But mm-hmm. when they left the theater, did they feel like those expectations were met? And how many of them are saying, I, I want Avatar 2 and 3, and I want to go to Avatar Land yeah. and ride the Avatar coaster. I mean, since then, since that was announced, Disney has acquired Marvel and Star Wars or LucasArts, so I'm pretty sure they don't give a fuck about yeah. <laughs> Avatar <laughs> Land any longer. <laughs> He's going to be at, like, Six Flags or Universal or something. Yeah. Maybe Legoland. They'll have Lego Avatar. Okay, that would actually be the, the best... <laughs> Inflammation of uh, Avatar. Anyways, um, just real quick, I also want to mention the trailers for Her, which is Spike Jones's new movie, and Monument Men are on. Line. It's just called Her. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with his operating system. Wait, what? His computer operating system? Voiced by Scarlett Johansson. So it's like Windows. 14 or something. No, she, she's she's more interested in his life and everything like that. And at the end, it, I mean, it's, it's... Is it like Siri? Like she talks to him? Yeah, yeah, it's like, kind of like that, but okay, without... I'll schedule you an appointment. Yeah, without that. To get a hand job the, from my floppy drive? <laughs> she, no, she talks more like sexy Scarlett. Oh. Um, and I can't get a beat on it because it's almost like being presented like a rom-com drama like and at the end he's crying and he says i've never loved anyone more in my life which is funny like it's creepy um there was a movie like this in the 80s i believe where i can't remember the name of it but a guy became friends with his computer operating system and then he started dating a girl and then the computer got jealous (laughs) and they started (laughs) i think he was Trying to separate them somehow. That sounds like an 80s high concept. Yeah. Over his 300 baht modem, she attacked the ATM machine, so he couldn't take her out to that fancy dinner. <laughs> the C64 attacked with yeah. its quantum I remember modem. This computer had like a green, like happy face. Had to plug the, uh, yeah. the old handset down into the modem. Mm-hmm. Apparently it was ahead of its time, because now these are the movies we're making. Yeah. Well, Although know, I like Spike Jones, so yeah. I'll give him the benefit it's of It's got to be something. And I mean, Joaquin Phoenix isn't a leading man. Like, he's weird. Yeah. And he's in this movie that seems like a weird premise. Yeah. Also, like, when, when he's saying that, I can't help but think he's talking about himself. Because what else is that other than projecting everything that you want onto your operating system? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, and the Monument Men trailer looks terrific. It kind of looks like it's like Argo in that it bridges drama with comedy. Monuments Men, right? Plural, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I, I just wrote down Monument Singular, but now that you say that, it's probably... I, th- I think it's plural because I remember thinking, that's an odd title, <laughs> the way that's phrased, the Monuments Men. But because they regain monuments. But anyways, it looks great. Although that would still work if you called them the Monument Men. Mm-hmm. It's not like anybody would assume they only 
gain one body bit recovery. Um, and I just have one thing. I hope it's not like, like a hitman. <laughs> Don't call him a hitman. <laughs> hope it's not stepping on Mikey's toes here. Um, the expendable three. Is that your news? Nope. Go for it. Okay. Uh, have you heard about this drama? Yep. Okay. Um, between Bruce Willis and uh, Stallone. Yeah, I've heard one little thing about it. Stallone says he's greedy and lazy because he wanted an extra one million and apparently he was only going to work on the film for four days so he wanted four million dollars for four days of work Stallone said no cast agreed so they kicked him out and he was catty on Twitter and said he's lazy and greedy Um, I think that's well Bruce Willis is the only guy that's in these movies that doesn't need to be in these movies Right. so I think it was pretty generous of him to even agree to be in this movie that is admittedly about has-beens. Yeah. So. I, I kind of wondered if he was not wanting to be in it. was just looking for a way. Like, yeah, maybe he just priced himself out. People yeah. do that all the time. Um, yeah, and uh, he's a, by far the better actor between Sloan and uh, Arnold. Yeah. He's a great actor. So, but uh, Harrison Ford's taking his place, apparently. Which is the weirdest thing I can even possibly conceive of. Like, Harrison Ford has this jonesing, <laughs> pun, no pun done, <laughs> to be a, like in this like action hero role. Like, he wants to do Indiana Jones 5. He, he really wants it. Like, Does he? He's 70-something years old. He, he said, I think it's the time that we get another one going, and we don't have to do all this as rough action as we do the <laughs> other ones. Maybe I can still do some stuff. Like, yeah. he, he really wants to impress... Clarissa Flockhart, I think. This this one, is that his wife? Yeah. Really? They've been married for like 10 years. So there should be a nuclear bomb that's about to get off, only this time he has to hide in a casket. <laughs> and then the cast will just lock the casket and everybody will just <laughs> shut down production and walk away. That was, like, we had to do it for his own good. I think that was the best part of that movie, honestly. The crystal skull. The fridge? The yeah. In the fridge? It, it's not like it's realistic, but it's not like the Holy Spirit fries Nazis' brains either. <laughs> that would be a much happier story to history if that were true. <laughs> if only Indy had entered, opened the Ark or the well, Nazis. They, they kind of established in one of the earlier movies that God is like on his side, you know, or he's. Yeah, but not. I mean, I guess like it doesn't like Indiana does does the same thing that a bad guy does, and the bad guy dies, and Indiana lives. The reason Indiana lives in Raiders is because he tells um, Marion to close her eyes, and he closes his eyes. Okay. Because for whatever reason, it goes into the eyes and that fries you off. Your your face melts like claymation. Yeah, because you can't look at you can't look at God. But then there was oh, is that <laughs> yeah? You can't look at God. So I've been watching that movie for twenty years. Now. <laughs> there was another I'm one though, the, the Last Crusade, or I don't I don't know which one it was, but mm-hmm. he'd like somebody. Did something... Oh, you know what? They chose the wrong cup, I think. He chose poorly. Yeah, okay. Uh, so maybe he would have died, too. Okay, so maybe God doesn't give a fuck about Indiana Jones. The cup of a carpenter. Yeah, well, obviously he must like something about him if he let him survive in that fridge. <laughs> that was a lead-lined fridge. That was, that was clever on so many levels. First of all, that, you know, this fridge is made of lead, which is true <laughs> and, like, just so incredibly dangerous. Second of all... The, the whole scene in the frantic running and everything, that was perfect. And then it introduces the atomic bomb, which is good at contextualizing that image of him standing up on the hill and seeing the nuclear explosion. That was a great little Indiana Jones moment of contextualizing him in this era past the 40s. It, it really wasn't bad. Like, if, if, if you're really looking for realism in your Indiana Jones movie, then 
I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's sure as hell better than the aliens and, and um, what's her name's Russian villain, which was, who's the villain in that? Oh, I can't think of her name now, but I know who you're talking about. She's a good actress. She's pretty. She's in a lot of things. She's Obviously a- forgettable. <laughs> no, she's not forgettable. Just my, I'm old and my brain does this all the time, like at least three times a day. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't even. Oh man! I just now I keep wanting to say Clarissa Flocker. <laughs> <laughs> Callista. Is it Callista? Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about Allie McBeal. Then. Five times a day. Yeah. I'm surprised he hasn't divorced her yet because she's got a. She hasn't had a hit show in forever. <laughs> like that's his only criteria. But you know, mm-hmm. you know how these things go. Nobody lasts forever. Yeah, in but Hollywood. she doesn't necessarily look like Harrison any longer. Like he's gone. Yeah. His looks have really like. Jesus Christ. How how much screen time do you think he's going to get in the new Star Wars movie? Um, 30 seconds. I would probably, yeah. I kind of hope it's just a walk-on cameo just because I, I don't want to contextualize it with those stories. Like, I think he's going to get more screen time than Hamill or Fisher, but... <laughs> <laughs> only because he's the only one that's kept himself somewhat presentable. Right. <laughs> no, Fisher's okay. I, I saw her live uh, at Christmas. She was at um, Rufus Wainwright's Christmas show. Oh, really? And she talked about how large her breasts, her breasts were so large you could stuff one into a, a stocking, like a Christmas stocking <laughs> each. And she was, that would be a nice present. She, yeah, she was crazy. Like, she's really crazy. Yeah, like, you, you hear that. That's what I've heard. That's probably why she's going to get such little screen time. <laughs> Even if she loses the weight, she's probably only going to be on screen for, like, Harrison Ford's going to be like, bye, honey. And she's going to turn and be like, bye. And that will be literally the only time you see her face in the time. walk walks by. <laughs> <laughs> he, he runs by with the wipe cut. <laughs> Just comes out from under her breast and wipes the screen. He's called the Ewok wipe now. <laughs> Every time it's a wipe, it's improbable. It's a space shot. Ewok flips. <laughs> See, J.J. Abrams could do so many cool things with this movie. Yeah, you know what I was kind of hoping is that like, he would show... Uh, Carrie Fisher and Hamill and, and Harrison Ford all together like in a spaceship and they'll be like I can't believe all the adventures we've had and then like their ship blows up <laughs> and that's how he starts the movie yeah. <laughs> before the credits even roll there's an alternate universe and everything that happened in episode 106 didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> no I think everything happened but then I know, all, I'm riffing on the Star Trek oh all these people that just expect like those people to be main parts in the movie Mm-hmm. If J.J. Abrams was like that was just his big fuck you, like I'm moving on with a new story, deal with it. So these characters die in the first thirty seconds. Yeah, he, he should not do that. <laughs> that would make me. I would respect it. Make me really angry, and That's I'm not gonna even take balls to do something like that. I'm not even like. I'm, I'm wearing pancakes on my shirt. Mikey's got the. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I've got Simpsons. <laughs> um, oh, my Trek shirt. Real quick, also, Mel Gibson's the villain, which I thought was kind of inspired casting of um, and Expendables. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I guess, yeah, he's an action star. You see, I don't know, I, I kind of think people, really action stars were the actors that really didn't or couldn't do anything else. So, like, Schwarzenegger, you know... Oh, he, he did all those um, comedies. The, 
with, with yeah, with but I mean, uh, even twins, kindergarten yeah. cop, he was a cop, and then there was some action at the end, and uh, twins maybe is the only one that you could say was not an action movie or junior. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but that was during his stupid phase where he was trying not to be an action star, but he really was. But when I look at Mel Gibson, <laughs> he's not... You can just ignore the three movies we gave you and make your point. <laughs> <laughs> you can't deny that Arnold Schwarzenegger does not do anything else well. Does he do anything well? He's I, a good I, action star. No, I think he's good in Twins. <laughs> <laughs> like, in, in the context of Twins being Twins, <laughs> he's as good as Danny DeVito. In fact, he might carry that movie better. Yeah. He's yeah. such a good-natured, nice guy. Like, he does that role really well. Like, in an old Hollywood style. It's a terrible movie. In fact, for whatever reason, I watched it. <laughs> I will say, though, that Danny DeVito weeks. played a better bad guy in Matilda than he did in Twins. <laughs> Twins kind of has a fascist overtone, doesn't it? Because the whole thing's like the German experiment. It's, it's done by like obviously an ex-Nazi yeah. to make the perfect genetic cocktail. Yeah, and it's not really saying that it's not true because the end of you know, <laughs> it's like a you know always in crime and everything. They they kind of take one moment to say, "No, Julius, <laughs> you were uh, in a horrible situation. You know that's why you turned out like you did." But they also kind of point to him being. Yeah. Genetically predisposed to being bad, so that's a little disappointing. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm done with news. <laughs> Mike, what you got first? Uh, what's getting me hard this week is uh, I was going to talk about Comic Con, but I'm sure if you're a nerd, you already know what's going on with that. Well, I don't know. And if you're not a nerd, then you don't care. You don't care. Uh, the lineup of a crap ton of. Superhero movies over the next like three years. Let's let's talk about holy crap. Well, I'm getting that up. Let's talk about Netflix. Yes, let's uh, never get tired of talking about Netflix. Netflix added um, user profiles. Oh, I noticed that. That is awesome. It is amazing. Yes. If your original profile that you have it tied to is not already effed up, right? So mm-hmm. now make a new one for you. Yeah. Now I have to make a new one for me, and everyone else gets to use that one. <laughs> Because I've been trying to weed out the old, uh, all the the recommendations that I want to get rid of, um, and it, you can't do it because it's only available on the website and the PS3. Every other thing it hasn't rolled out to yet, and it may be a couple months before it does. Mm-hmm. So if you're still using those other devices like your Kindle or your Nexus or phone, mm-hmm. it's still going to pollute your profile. You know what? I'm glad they're making improvements. I do like the profile. You know what? They had this before in the past. Yeah. Because I I actually made a profile for my wife so that we could have different cues and stuff. And then that feature, I don't know if it went away or they just made it really hard to find or something. But then I turned on my PS3 and it popped up and it had my name and then it had her name. So they, like, recovered that old profile that I created for a long time ago. Yeah, so... And now it's really easy. It's the first thing that pops up. You decide, are you going to log in as you or her? I wish they would password protect it. Either password protect it or get rid of that stupid fucking recently watched row. Because I hate that thing. Because I don't want my kids knowing that I watched Human Centipede like 47 times in a row. Did you watch that? No. Okay. Or Wife to be Sacrificed or Zoo or, you know, anything. There's I watch a lot of things that I don't want people to know I watch. Right. Like what, though? Like, give, give like us a real Life to be sacrificed. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? No, I don't even know what that is. Um, 
It's yeah. You should check it out. Uh-huh. You might like this. <laughs> he says with a straight face. Okay, uh, 70s Japanese exploitation movie um, where this guy, his wife, wants to divorce him, so he kidnaps her and takes her into like some country house, and he rapes her, and then she starts to like it, and then he kidnaps another couple, and then he. Gives one of the. It's really disgusting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then it gets disgusting. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he forces this girl to take an enema and then shit in the bag, and then have sex with her boyfriend while he watches. <clears throat> so what? you can see why I don't want people to know that I watch this movie. <laughs> what, what Despite the it? fact that I just spoke about it on the internet for everyone to hear forever. They no, watch this movie. It, mm-hmm. This is the safest times. place. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's a good thing we have, like, negative five listeners. <laughs> like, listeners hate our show so much, they download it and then try to go back in time. To throw it away. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back to a time before I listen to the show. So, yeah, profiles, great idea. Shitty implant- implantation. It does seem to slow it down. A little bit. Mm-hmm. I have not noticed this, but I never pick any other profile but mine. I was going to complain about this, so I might as well. I hate Netflix's setup, and we're, Mikey and I were talking about this before the mm-hmm. show, where I'm looking at what Mikey has in his main page. Aside from being 700,000 kid shows. Right. But even that, like, all everything that they show is stuff that I'm not being shown. And that, I mean, like, sometimes I'll search for something, I'm like, holy shit, this movie is on Netflix streaming. Like, this is a fine, this is not available on DVD. Mm. And, like... Why isn't this shit coming up? Like, there's, there's no comprehensive database that you can just search through. Yeah. And that's just ridiculous. And they have, like, 27 different rows. They're, like, yeah. dark, gritty, dark, gritty mm-hmm. foreign crime dramas. Well, they do Esperanto <laughs> or something. Oh, they? Yeah. But, like, they, they have these weird, like, obscure, like, 20-word descriptions of this, this type of movie. Like, I have but, understated, or, uh, what was it? Moody German silent films. <laughs> like, there's no way this is on Mikey's. <laughs> hmm. Here you go. So, okay, anyway, back to uh, Netflix is done. So, San Diego Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, we'll start with them. Okay. Uh, they've been pumping out the DC movies. Last Ooh. one they did. Oh. Boo, DC. Uh, Other than Batman. They did. Uh, last one was Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Man of Steel? Mm-hmm. Uh, 2015 comes uh, b- 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 Batman Superman movie yeah I'm not a big fan of that because Batman is really their only good property and they're trying to force uh, like they're trying to use Batman to get generate interest in their other lame characters that nobody likes like Superman <laughs> you know the unpopular ones that nobody's ever heard of I mean they're just gonna keep going until they get to Super Friends right yeah let me get there so then um uh, so that's what, 2015? 2016, they're going to do a Flash movie. Okay. I don't like Flash. Flash is kind of a cool Yeah, character. that works. And then 2017, we get the Justice League. Oh, that's dumb. That's with Wonder Woman and shit? Uh, you know what's exactly. funny? <laughs> Wonder Woman's going to be in Wonder it. Wonder Woman and shit. <laughs> but they, uh, they, they wanted to do a Wonder Woman story, but they said it was too much like Thor, and she's a very tricky character to... Uh, to put on screen so yeah, not she's do a movie. cheesy as hell she's and dumb. to do it right you would need like a large woman she's supposed to be like six foot five or something and they already got complaints about uh, their new 
their relaunch of New 52 being far too sexist towards women. So they can't cast her like she's drawn. Wait, what? Their relaunch of what? Like two years ago, they relaunched the DC line. Oh, yeah. And the well, they did woman. a soft yeah, yeah. relaunch. And, uh, they and it's more sexist than the old DC line? Yes. Why? Well, at least Does was... Wonder Woman have even bigger boobs now, or what? She has some big knockers. but She's got like... Rob Liefeld boobs? No, it's just a lot of the, the non... The non-mainstream uh, characters are very over-sexualized, mm-hmm. and even some of the the off-handed villains that they use for a couple couple uh, strips are just severely over-sexualized, mm-hmm. and people complained about it. So they're going to have to overcompensate and make a Wonder Woman movie starring like Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, basically, just a normally proportioned beautiful woman would work. Like honestly, it does. Like, there's a... I don't want to get into games, but there's that... What is it? Dragon's Crown? Have you seen that, Mikey? Mm-mm. It's like a... Remember, like, the D&D side-scrolling arcade game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. I saw that. Um, but, you know, like, the female wizard or something like that, her breasts are um, beyond measure. Like, you couldn't fit them in a bra. Like, <laughs> they're at least, like... I, I could put, like, four women together, like... <laughs> And like <laughs> measure that out, whatever that yeah. is. Like so, like I really want to play this game, but well, that's embarrassing. <laughs> like I don't want to. Like it's not like that's turning me on. It's yeah. just kind of there, and it's just. So I don't know how we got there because I think proportion is beautiful, right? You yeah. know, and proportion is like the best thing you can aim for. Mm-hmm. And then there's so many women that go out of their way and have surgery to get disproportionate. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, yeah, I mean, like that cry of over sexualizing characters would be diminished if they were just sexy and normal. <laughs> yeah, I guess they got tired of everyone looking like Barbie characters in a in a comic. So now they look like what? <laughs> Porn stars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Marvel, they they haven't uh, they didn't release anything with their Phase Three. I think we talked about that a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago. Um, but they did say that they're doing uh, Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. Um, yeah, they're, yeah. they're doing Thor 2, The Dark World. Ooh. Comes out in a few months. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, my, the, the voice of a scent on comic <laughs> movies all of a sudden. Then they have one called Guardians of the Galaxy that's going to be coming out. That's an odd choice to make a movie out of. Because mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy are not a very intriguing um, superhero team. They're kind of dumb, actually. They have a freaking raccoon that shoots gigantic guns. Yeah. Is this the one that Star Wars might have been based off of? No. It's almost like a, yeah. a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle type of... <clears throat> they, they fly around in a spaceship and they hunt down galactic fugitives. And... Oh, I see. But it's dumb. Oh, yeah, their other character is a giant tree. <laughs> like it moves never rocks. What are you talking about, John? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's a tree. He only says, I am Groot. And apparently that is his language. So when he says, I am Groot, he could really be saying, please, could you fetch me a sandwich? It's like last. But it will sound like I am Groot to our ears. Okay. Well, they need to change that. But the yeah. tree character is incredible, especially with the raccoon, because the raccoon can just like hide in the tree <laughs> and then leap and tear people yeah. apart. And then uh, for Marvel, finally, Joss Whedon got up on stage and said that he's going to be doing the the new Avengers movie. Yeah, I thought we knew that. Yep. Uh, I, I know we talked about it. It's going to be called Age of Ultron. 
Uh, but apparently, I've also found out that it has nothing to do with the the uh, the current Thanos storyline mm-hmm. that shares the same name. It's just stealing the name. So is Thanos going to be in it at all? Because then, if he's not, why did they even tease that at the end of the first Avengers? He is going to be in it, but like I said, it's not the storyline. It's not going to share anything. Like even there's just going to be another teaser at the end of this one with Thanos. Well, saying, Thanos, hmm. Thanos is going to be in it, and he's going to have character. He's going to have like another race that doesn't typically pair with Thanos as his opposite antagonist. Because really, it should just be Thanos. But they're like, nah, he's not powerful enough in movies. Okay, so. Uh, yeah, they should be making a Thanos movie instead of a uh, instead of a Guardians of the Galaxy. They could make a <clears throat> Infinity Gauntlet movie. That would be awesome. And some, I was reading that. Uh, I'll get him in a minute. Um, I thought I was like, oh, totally. It's, yeah, broke character. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who is it? The guy who played Riddick, Vin Diesel. Yeah, is going to be in the movie, but they haven't said what he's going to do. Oh man, he's going to be in the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I think I heard that. And yeah, there's a lot of. Speculation on who he's going to play. He'll probably play Thanos. No, I don't think he will. <laughs> Thanos has got to be CGI, just like the Hulk, to get him to look right. They better not push Thanos out. This should be like a this should be like an Empire Strikes Back type movie. I'm sure it will be. Living. It usually jumping on that cliche. If you're sticking true to the comics at all, then it takes way more than the Avengers to take down Thanos. It takes like everybody and their mother. Oh, is Thanos the boss of a Marvel or Capcom too? Oh uh, yeah, that guy, the big purple guy. Okay, yeah. so is he, he's gonna be huge then, or is that just? Ha- yeah, because remember Marvel versus Capcom, they had him and like the Gauntlet thing, and he had all those orbs that would attack you. Mm-hmm. That was the Infinity Gauntlet, and basically, okay. he rapes the universe with it. Gotcha. He, he won when he has the Gauntlet, then he has the power of like God. <laughs> and the, you know, wait, Surfer is Marvel, right? Yes. Did they tie that into the Avengers at all? No, the Infinity Gauntlet. No. Yeah. What was the one where they had Silver Surfer come in? Oh no, that Fantastic was Fantastic Four too. Huh? Fantastic. Yeah. Fur. Fur. <laughs> what was what was he? Does he? Oh, the Universe Eater. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you know, I've never seen those Fantastic Four movies because I've heard they were terrible. They look terrible. Yeah. They yeah. the second one was better than the first one. Oh really? Yeah. Because it had Silver Surfer yeah. in it. I actually like Silver Surfer as a character, but. But you know, I have no faith in that Fantastic Four director to make him cool. Because the, the original point of Silver Surfer was he was the herald of the Doombringer of the, ga- the galaxy, Galactus. Yeah. Galactus. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there you go. Anyway, so now that we're done with that. This is the longest news segment we've ever had. I know, we've talked too much. No, just not. <laughs> uh, so, moving on from there, let's uh, talk about what we've been watching. You want to go, Austin? No. You want to go? Let's go, Austin. You do it. You don't want to do it? Should we let the cat I'll out? let the cat out. Austin's very concerned about your cat. Oh, like he's just like, yeah, I'll let him in when we're done in four hours. You let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> uh, oh, go ahead, John. All right. So um, I rewatched, uh, speaking of Bruce Willis, I rewatched Die Hard for the very first one. Nice. For like the first time in probably 15 years. It's pretty campy, huh? No, actually, no. that movie stands up really yeah, well. Awesome. I was surprised at how awesome that movie was. And it's got great characters and great action and great lines, great acting. And I don't know. It was just really, really well written. The, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really well directed, too. It's just yeah. That was a great movie. I couldn't even believe. I, I think I heard that that was supposed to be 
Commando 2, <laughs> starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. And for some reason, he couldn't um, he couldn't film it, and so they had to make a last-second change, and so they uh, decided to hire Bruce Willis. But then, of course, they had to tweak the script to fit Bruce Willis rather than Arnold. So they made him uh, you know, kind of a tough New York cop and a reluctant hero. But, man, that was just a... That movie really, really stands up well. A lot of movies don't stand the test of time, but that one does. So, yeah. uh, mad props to uh, the original Die Hard and Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber's the man. Shoot the glass. Yes. <laughs> Very smart. Very smart. Um, so, yeah, Bruce Willis, just for making that movie alone, uh, he does not deserve to be in The Expendables. And <laughs> he really did slice Stallone a favor by doing the first two, and uh, Stallone was way out of line, I think. Yeah, he's a great actor. Uh, but then also, um, you know, I didn't watch this in the past two weeks, but I feel like I need to mention it because I left it off of my top ten list, which is infuriating because it would probably be around number three or four if wow. I had had it on there. And Here I completely forgot about it. And it's a Lars von Trier movie, my favorite Lars von Trier movie, which is Dogville, starring uh, Nicole Kidman. Have either of you seen it? Mm-mm. Nope. Oh, man. This is... An amazing movie. I love this movie. Now, you have to be open-minded if you're going to watch this movie because it doesn't have a set. <laughs> it's like a just a blank stage, and when there's supposed to be a building, there's just like a chalk outline of a building on the floor, <laughs> and when they step over the chalk outline, then you know they're in the room, and when they step out of the chalk outline, then they're not in the room anymore. And it's distracting for the first... Uh, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. So you, gotta, like, you gotta learn the rule of how he's presenting yes, the material. But then once, once you get into the story, you don't even notice it anymore. It's just like flawless after that. And really, really good story. Kick ass ending, like one of the best endings ever. <laughs> and just Lars von Trier's, it, it was the movie that made me fall in love with him. Have you seen all uh, his grotesqueness? <laughs> have you seen Breaking the Woods? Yes, I have. And I watched that because I like Dogville so much. I was like, I, want, I need to see what else this guy's done. So It's been yeah. out of print for like 10 years. That's why it's, oh, yeah. it's one of his best. Yeah, I, I've seen that one a long time ago, but I did see it. And it was good. Not as good as Dogville, but I liked it. And then I watched uh, Dancer in the Dark after that. Mm. And, oh, my God, I never, never. I, you know, I highly recommend this to, movie to everybody, but I will never watch it again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because that movie... Eats your soul. It's horrific. Yeah, uh, I take it you've only seen it once as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather see Antichrist like marathon. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I could watch. <laughs> I could watch the log scene in Antichrist yeah. just on a loop rather than watch Dancer in the Dark again because, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's it could make a psychopath cry. <laughs> it's like seriously. Um, so yeah. Anyway, I can't believe I left that off my list. So yeah, Dogville starring Nicole Kidman. Great, great movie. You got to check it out and be open minded when you do. Um, and then just uh, I watched, I finished Don't Look Now, which um, was on your best horror movie list. So nice. I started watching it before you recommended it, and then because um, of the sex scene. Yes, because <laughs> I heard about the sex scene, and then uh, but I actually went back and watched the rest of the movie this time and. Uh, I have to say, you're right, the last 10 minutes is batshit crazy, but unfortunately the first, you know, hour and 30 minutes was not batshit crazy enough for me. It's not um, batshit crazy, it's more of a drama. Yeah, it is, but um, 
I don't know. I found myself bored in a lot of parts in this movie. Hmm. And then it started to pick up near the end um, and when more and more things started to happen. So I thought that was kind of cool. It leaves a lot of questions unanswered, though, at, um, at the end. So there's just puzzling things. Like there's people that they're kind of leading you down a path to think that these people must be the bad guys and they do some crazy things that, that where you're like, yeah, they're bad. But then at the end, it turns out they're not the bad guys, and you're like, oh, I guess they just like to laugh like maniacs for fun. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, no, I mean, I, I, since you already said that, I guess that is spoiling the movie to an extent. Um, so I'll go up to an extent because I don't want to ruin it. Okay. Um, they can still be bad. Like, they can still be, say, con men. Mm. And that has nothing to do with the rest of them. <clears throat> is that what you think they were laughing about? Okay. I guess I could kind of buy that. But... Also, replaying the movie has massive advantages after you know... Does it? After you know, like, well, just for instance, after you know the reveal. Like, yeah. Because that, that happens all the time, and like now you know what that is. <laughs> that just makes it even more creepy than what you originally thought it was. <laughs> Yeah, that's it's a you know, and the end of this movie is on par with Angela Face. Oh, like it's not as bad as Angela Face, but it's it's creepy as fuck. it's it's a pretty it's close. It's, it's Angela Face second. is really really darkened your soul, hasn't it? John? Yeah, Angela Face, and I'm talking about a movie called Sleepaway Camp, which ends with Angela Face. Listen to episode and, one. Yeah, not not <laughs> yeah. not Angela from Who's the Boss. <laughs> I like her face, but um, yeah, yeah, Angela Face at the end of Sleepaway Camp is terrible. Worse than uh, Don't Look Now, but only by a little bit. Um, anyway, then I also uh, really kind of nerded out and finished watching the rest of the episodes in the series, the animated series Avengers Earth, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, mm. um, which is a series that I really enjoyed because, you know, I'm a comic book nerd, especially a Marvel nerd, heavily leaning towards Marvel. Um, and I really liked this series, and it kind of pisses me off that they only made two seasons of it. And they've already launched a new series called Avengers Assemble. And I'm like, why did you do that when you had this perfectly awesome series that you could have just kept it going? But And now I've seen one episode of the new one, Avengers Assemble, and it looks like they specifically relaunched this series to make the Avengers look more like they do in the movies. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Hawkeye looks like Hawkeye from the movies. Instead of wearing his comic book purple costume, he wears black and he looks like Jeremy Renner and all that. Kind of like fatigued out like a military. Yeah, and, military. and there is no wasp in this show because there was no wasp in the movie. And oh, they cut out those two characters. Yeah, there's Ant -Man. no Ant-Man because there was no Ant-Man in the movie. So this new cartoon, Avengers Assemble, is very much the Avengers from the movies. Gotcha. So I, and I feel like that kind of detracts from it a little bit, but whatever. I still like it, so I'll check it out and see if it gets better. The old one, though, Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It's on Netflix both seasons, and if you're an Avengers nerd at all or a Marvel nerd, it really gives you a good glimpse into some of the storylines you might have missed if you were growing up um, with comics like I did. But I wasn't really an Avengers reader growing up, so this is a good way for me to catch up on a lot of that stuff that I missed in the Marvel universe. So. Highly recommend it. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is Orange is the New Black, which is John's new favorite show. <laughs> um, and it's not a perfect show. I mean, it's not... I have to say, it's not Breaking Bad. Okay, so don't go in with super, super high expectations. In fact, the first episode, I barely even liked the first episode. But 
something compelled me to watch the next one. And then every single episode I watched, I liked like 10% better than the last episode. And there's one thing that this show has that other shows are missing. Like when I was watching House of Cards, I never felt compelled to watch the next episode. I was never like, oh man, I can't wait. I can't wait until I can watch that episode. Not me, that's for sure. Really? So it might come down to taste, but Orange is the New Black, even the episodes that don't end on a cliffhanger, I cannot wait. Like, I'm at work thinking about, oh, I can't wait until I get home tonight so I can watch another episode. And then I would end up watching, like, two or three episodes a night and not getting any sleep. And just, I, and it's been a miserable two weeks for me, really, because I hardly slept at all because I'm watching two or three episodes per night instead of sleeping. And I don't get enough sleep as it is. So this is really cutting into my, like, six-hour sleep window that I normally get. So, yeah, but great show. Um, it's a dramedy, so, you know, don't go in expecting big silly laughs. It's, it's really, you know, it's got great character development. And then there, every once in a while, they'll have a laugh that really kind of surprises you because the rest of the show is kind of serious. Um, but this is one, like I said, don't go in with high expectations because it starts out kind of ho-hum and it gets better as it goes along. It needs to grow on you. And it has the greatest character in television history. And, uh, his name is Porn Stash. <laughs> <laughs> because he has a not a stash of porn he has the porn star mustache and uh, he's played by a guy named Pablo Schreiber who's uh, best known for being an actor in the second season of The Wire and um, but he's uh, Liev Schreiber's brother so you might know Liev Schreiber but this guy he's a prison guard and he just takes so much joy in demeaning the women like he's an evil character like just amazingly evil and it's just so entertaining to see how how much joy comes into his life when he gets to fuck with these women and demean them and and just screw up their world like he's searching somebody's cell and he's almost like doing a dance when he's like walks over he looks right into her eyes and then he just like flips all her shit onto the floor and stares at her like what are you gonna do about it? it's just really amazing to watch his performance so anyway he, it's worth watching it for porn stash alone now, I heard that this was uh, very similar to Weeds. Is it? Um, you know, it's made by the same... Uh, it's created by the same person who created Weeds. So there's probably some similarities. I only watched about three episodes of Weeds before I lost interest. So I can't really say... The tone is probably similar. Oh. How, how it's kind of a... It's a drama, but has a lot of humorous elements to it. So I think the tone is the same. But... Um, I think it's far superior to Weeds. Like I said, I lost interest in Weeds after a few episodes, and this show I never lost interest in. Awesome. So, Orange is the New Black. Orange is the new John's favorite show. Yes, it is. Black. And if you want to see the girl from that 70s <laughs> show naked, then uh, they don't make you wait, because it happens in like the first five seconds of the first episode. And then you Wait, Nila Kunis? We've already seen her naked. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, the, the, the not hot one. Oh, the Laura Prepon, Gray Prepon. <laughs> uh, what was Kunis negative? Uh, the one with the puppeteer guy, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Is that it? Oh yeah, I think that was a body double though. You think so? Yeah, it's, I think I don't know for sure, but it looked like it to me, to my expert eye. Well, you're watching it on such a tiny screen. <laughs> so Austin, what you been watching? Um, you know I don't. I'm a little uh, 
Oh, not prepared? You're never not prepared with this segment. You've got a whole like list there. Yeah, <laughs> there's so much stuff. I'm a little overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of okay. I'll just go. Wait, I want to ask you this because you just you finished a class uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. So, how much of your what you've been watching list happened just in the last like six days? Yeah, I mean a decent amount. I, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about all the cosmos that I <laughs> watched. <laughs> Which is a great show, by the way. I actually watched it independently of astronomy class, but um, have you seen Cosmos? Uh, that's the Carl Sagan show. Yeah, it? yeah. I used to watch it when I was a kid, actually. Yeah, but um, haven't seen it since. It's fantastic. Well, like I, I watched um, how the universe works, like a few episodes of that, and mm-hmm. it really depressed me because all they're interested in is testing out your sound system and your TV, because all the showing is like. And the universe will explode like this. <laughs> and this universe will collide with this one. And this is what that's going to look like. Yeah, and it's just like, it's not... Carl Sagan's so full of, like, you know, the reverence for how science works and everything yeah. like that. And it gets you really excited and it's inspirational in that way that science should be. You know, the thing that really stuck with me from that show, like, I watched it when I was a kid. And the only thing I remember is that there was an episode where Carl Sagan said, If you want to make an apple pie from scratch... First, you must create the universe. <laughs> and I thought, wow, even as I was like seven years old, I was like, that is brilliant. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. I love the way he talks, too. He's yeah. like, and if you want to create an apple pie from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> he's always doing some of his hands. Yeah. And like he's very charismatic. Right. Yeah. I, they're bringing, is it that show that they're bringing back? I hope not. I, uh, I want to, I think it might be. And I think they've got that... Um, Bill Nye, the science guy? No, no, no. It's a Neil... Neil Patrick Harris? No. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson? Or maybe it's Tyson deGrasse Neil? I don't know. Certainly I, not Carl Sagan. No, it's not. But it's a, he's a pretty smart guy. And he's pretty well-respected. I wish I got his name right. Who was that? Uh, what's his face? But he already has a show. Um, Who's that? Not the Japanese the attention whore that gets yeah. on every science show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he was on... Um, this Nova. What the hell is his about name? the sun? Yeah. I can't remember his name. You know who I'm talking about, though. He's like a physicist. But oh, no, no. He's on how the universe works. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. yeah. I'm he's starting to hate that guy. Cause he's Michio like, Kaku. Yeah, he just wants to be on every freaking show. He's like always the go-to guy. He just has a great agent. I guess so. But, yeah. <laughs> I think it's because he, he's so interested in what he's saying. So, like, that creates an entertainment value, and these shows are all about entertainment value. Whereas Cosmos just created its entertainment just this by the sheer like intellectual force it's not nubbing yeah. this down at all yeah. like he expects you to <laughs> the bad part about cosmos is that we've learned so much since that show aired because mm-hmm. i mean that show is from the 80s right so yeah if you watch it on netflix there's an update mm-hmm. but it's only as far as like 90s i think oh <clears throat> well, that's still good it's mm-hmm. still something the end of the world one was really depressing. Aren't they all talking about world ending eventually? No, just the cosmos about global warming. Like no. he presents such a compelling case, and then at the updates, like so, <laughs> the things that I was talking about in 1980 were obviously true. <laughs> and it's like image after image of like you know smoke spewing out, birds dying and getting covered in oil. It's a good thing he's dead because he he would be here saying, "I told you, motherfuckers." <laughs> well. Yeah, I mean, using those exact words, Carl Sagan. That's not like a done deal. It's not like everyone agrees that it's you know real. So, well, that doesn't make it not real. I know, but I'm just saying, like, (laughs) even now, like, Carl Sagan would be like, what, thirty years later? Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so we did watch, and we did talk about Cosmos, which is great. One thing I will say, um, it has an old-school Epcot vibe, which is awesome. In fact, some of the music is the same music that's played like in different attractions at Epcot. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Did they get it from Cosmos or vice versa? Probably they got it from Cosmos. Yeah. Huh, it didn't open until 81. So. Okay. And Ray Bradbury was partly in charge of Epcot, which is an interesting little... Hmm. Anyways, yeah. So, I watched a lot of David Fincher. Um... <laughs> yes, here we go. Um, I watched The Social Network, and I watched it again with commentary. That's a great movie. Wait, did you watch I'm, it already? No, you watched it. No, he rewatched it because this yeah. this is oh, not wait. the first time. Yeah. All right, no, no, yeah, none of these are the first time. Oh, okay. Um, I watched the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and that the, terrible. Why would you rewatch that? You and know then, that movie's terrible. And then I rewatched it with commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and then I watched Zodiac. I haven't gotten around to the commentary. Oh, that's on Netflix now. Yeah, I was thinking. I want to check that one out. Okay. I remember you said that that one's great. So. All right, that will be my feature for next week. Oh, we'll awesome. Go ahead and say that. Okay, good. Um, but nobody better dislike it. Otherwise, <laughs> I will freak out. <laughs> and then I watched... He's going to do a Rain Man where he starts slapping his head. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> he's, he's kind of... I don't know. He's so huggable. Like, like, oh, Rain Man, don't put that box in the toaster. <laughs> but he's okay with it. <laughs> Anyways, and then I watched the game. Um, awesome movie. Yeah. With commentary? Not yet. Okay. That's that's after the podcast? Yeah, I'll get to it, yeah. Next week I'll talk about it. I'm not a fan. But see, hearing you r- rattle off this list, it's funny. David Fincher's such a hit and miss for me. Mm-hmm. But when he hits, he's really good. Mm-hmm. And when he misses, he's really bad. So um, I'll just start from the top. Social Network, I've always loved it. Continue to love it. Actually, I mean, it's just, I find new layers in it. It's terrific. Um, one thing that really upset me is the commentary. I, I love David Fincher. Like, I'm just going to say he's probably my favorite contemporary director, which which this is all just happened within the course of the like last month. <laughs> like, I'm you know, surprised you said that he's your favorite contemporary. Yeah. So like I would say Scorsese's well Scorsese's contemporary, but I, I mean of our generation. So okay, so you're not counting Scorsese. I'm not counting like Spielberg, Scorsese, like any of the big hitters from the '70s. Although okay, so you're only counting say directors that came into prominence in the 2000s. No, like '90s. 80s, 90s, 2000s. Fincher was working in the 80s on uh, commercials and music videos. Well, yeah, but he wasn't a feature film director. No. So he, he also, I just I found out in the course of the bonus features, um, he worked on special effects at, I think, ILM, because he worked on Empire Strikes Back and um, Return of the Jedi. No, I think it returned the Jedi, um, Temple of Doom, and then another. Was he pushing the Wookiee wipe and he kept getting <laughs> shot down in the conference room? They were like, no, Fincher, good lord. I'm sure. So, Digital Domain, who's the um, special effects company he goes to, like, there's a lot of his old colleagues. Mm-hmm. So, I start to kind of understand how he has this complete mastery over his medium because yeah. he's, he started out in special effects, so he knows that. He's very comfortable in knowing how to use special effects. Um, commercials introduced him and um, music videos introduced him to a lot of old genres um, like he did the Vogue one that's that's 40 chic but at the same time I, I doubt that's his only <laughs> like he just seems to know everything um, I'm really he's like the Batman of film directors <laughs> I'm, I'm just incredibly overwhelmed by his talent uh, but the social network gave me something to hate about him 
Okay. He was covering his ass. Uh, how so? Legally. So, like, Sean Parker's talking, and then he wants to say, Sean Parker's a smart guy, like the J- Justin Timberlake character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, okay, like, you know the scene when they're talking in the nightclub and there's a lot of music, boom, boom, mm-hmm. boom, and you can't even really hear what he's talking about. He's talking about Victor. You sing that, right? Nope. It's okay, go ahead. I don't plan on saying it. All right, he's talking about, why not? <laughs> <laughs> It's actually good. Like I didn't think it was going to be good either, but it was really good. Oh, I have a long list of crappy movies I need to watch before that. Mm, okay. He's talking about um, Victoria's Secret, blah, blah. But um, he mentions that the reason he created Napster was to impress the girlfriend of the captain of the football team or something like that, right? Okay. And uh, the Jesse, what's his name? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Eisenberg? Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg? Yeah. Jesse Eisenberg? Yeah, that's weird. I never <laughs> put that together. <laughs> um you know, he's doing this to get Rooney Mara back, kind of, to the extent. Was that Rooney Mara? Mm-hmm. I didn't even recognize her, but okay. Um, so he's like, did you, did you ever think about that girl anymore? And he's like, no. But, like, when he says that, his face is underlit, so he looks satanic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like he. So anyways, in the commentary, Venture says, so I'm going to say this is the Mephistopheles uh, scene where he leads him astray or something like that, but I, I don't see that at all. And this is the, all, everything that we're talking about makes a lot of sense. But like, as soon as he says that, and there's that scene where he's like underlit, and it's just like, I don't know. I know you're lying because I know how films are put together. <laughs> so you think um, Sean Parker would have sued him? I don't know. But he does the same thing with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, the scene where he betrays Eduardo, and Eduardo comes in and slams his MacBook and all that. He's like, and you know, this is really kind of unfair because Mark Zuckerberg wanted to meet him uh, and tell him, pull him aside and tell him first, but he was wired in with his headphones on and he didn't see him come in. Like, just... so, so the reason that his shares got diluted down to 0.016% from being a CFO was, you know, that's okay. It's just well, he didn't have the time to t- take him aside and say. I don't think you can hold that against him because he didn't compromise his art to save his ass. He just fudged in the commentary a little bit to cover his ass. But the art the art is still the same. He didn't delete any scenes, right? So Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm almost okay with that. But he's he said- almost a requirement when you're making a movie about super rich dudes that can really fuck over your career if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you try to make some effort to not piss them off any more than you already have. It, it just seemed unnecessary uh, to an extent. And the main one is when Sean Parker's at the party with the underage girls and they're all doing coke. Mm-hmm. And he like, Sean Parker's a smart dude. Look at that. He has coke on his hand. He wipes it through his hair. I'm like, so the moral of the story is <laughs> when you're at a, a party with underage girls <laughs> and there's coke involved and the cops come in, you got to be smart like Sean Parker and... Like, at that point, what was Sean Parker going to do? Sue for slander? Like, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, anyways, that just kind of upset me. He's he's such a punk, like, David Venture. He, you know, he, he's very articulate, and he's he speaks in esoteric terms, but he's also, like, and that just sodomized the shit out of that scene. Like, <laughs> 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 so, it's hard to get a beat on. I like that. Yeah, yeah, he's really interesting. He doesn't seem pretentious at all about his art. Which is amazing, considering he's a better... It bugged me that they never mentioned Sean Fanning. Like, am I wrong, or didn't everybody know Sean Fanning is the creator of Napster? And Sean Parker was, like, his business partner, but didn't really have anything to do with it? I had no idea. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I never heard the name, so... 
Have you heard of Sean Fanning? Nope. Okay. I thought Sean Fanning created Napster, but Sean Parker was somehow his partner. <coughs> but they were like Wozniak and Steve Jobs. Oh, I gotcha. But, uh, right. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Parker's the one that ended up with the credit. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. That's cool. Are we going to talk about Benjamin Button now? Yeah. Okay, good. I'm curious <laughs> to what case... <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to know what you thought of it on the upon the second viewing. Okay, so um, yeah, I uh, got the Blu-ray for seven fifty because Barnes had a fifty percent off Criterion and Art House sale, and it was only fifteen dollars for some reason. So I'm like seven fifty. Okay, David Fincher, I'm on a kick, and um, you already knew that you didn't like this movie. No, remember I told you last time I thought there were some really good scenes in it. Oh, okay. Um. But also, all of his DVDs or Blu-rays post what Fight Club actually um, are loaded with special features. Like, there's at least another feature about the making of it. So, oh, okay. I thought for that seven fifty, it's worth the special features alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I <laughs> I watched it, and um, Apparently, this is a movie that I can't watch with anybody. And apparently, this is a movie that I can't watch with, like, say, a roommate across the hall. Because (laughs) I've never in my life just completely fucking lost it over a movie. (laughs) And I've seen the fucking movie. (laughs) Wait, I don't... don't, You have to explain this. Uh, uh, Crying my fucking eyes out. Really? This was, like, Paulie status crying? (laughs) Yeah, this, this was... There's a moment where, even though I was alone, no one could hear me, I tried not to cry. <laughs> and then, like, it just, like, burst out of me, like, ah! <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I'm so glad I'm not in a the theater right now. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I've, I've never done that before. Um, Did you cry the first time? Oh, I think a few choice scenes. Um, but I got misty-dyed or something like that. But, no, this film just took me and just pummeled me and... Until I was malleable and reformed me into a sad, pathetic little person. So you liked it? Yeah. I can't believe this. Yeah. I can't, who are you? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, this movie gets less love from, like, cinephiles than it does from uh, just the normal public. And I'm not sure the normal public's all that keen on it. Ebert didn't like it. Yeah. He said it doesn't work like that. Like, he felt like there's just something wrong. Um, I think... In a nutshell, it works thematically better than it does as a narrative. So if you're looking at it as his transformation, not literally, but how, let's say, somebody spends their childhood feeling old because they're burdened with more than, than other people around them can deal with. He's, he's surrounded by death. So all of his, like, he has a very acute sense of death. Um, I was born with a tumor and I was born half dead and I had that knowledge in me that, you know, sometimes tumors can come back. Sometimes you can die. I remember telling a kid, uh, your parents told you that when you were, I found my surgery photos in my sock drawer. I was like, Oh, what's this? (laughs) That's where your mom decided to keep them from. Okay. And, uh, it was a picture of me cut open in my heart (laughs) of them. (laughs) 
It, the the tumor was attached to my heart. It's lovely, and it was like it. it was larger he than might my heart. He might want to see these in the morning when he reaches for his socks. I'll just put them in here. So it was suppressing my heart. Um, There's gonna be an age when he wants to find out about girls. Let's how, get him away from that. How old were you when you had his pictures? I'd say six. Oh my god! So That's I screamed good. and started crying and everything, and then she explained it. But I, I, I guess I already knew because I have a huge scar on my chest. Um, so and my heart's not in the right place. My heart's in the center of my body. Really? That's awesome. You know why? Because if somebody ever tries to, like an assassin, tries to shoot you in the yeah. heart, he'll totally miss. That's true, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll <laughs> Unless he misses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hope they hire a good assassin. <laughs> so I don't know. There's something about these feelings that I related to in a very primal way. Another thing in the commentary, and Fincher defends the film, and like in, in the bonus features, the first thing he's saying was he was watching it, he was relating a story about how he watched his father die and how it's not at all like romantic or anything and like how he's gurgling and trying to talk and the element of fear and all the stuff like that and how you watching this you want it to be over as fast as possible and yet you don't because that's the worst thing you want like it was all this like very honest relating about this the subject of death and then he read the script shortly after that and he said all those feelings clicked so it it, it is interesting that I kind of felt like I was mourning while watching this film because it's about I guess. Um, also, he says in the commentary that if you were like, say, or if you have friends who were like 14 when their parents were 50, hmm. it does something weird to you. And I was 14 when my parents were 48. Hmm. So I relate to that too. It's, it's like you, you don't grow up young. You grow up older. I guess it's because you're surrounded by that influence more. So these are things that could or could not have anything to do with it. His images are incredibly strong. I agree that the narrative is kind of stupid. Like... Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree that it's way too Forrest Gump, even though Fincher got kind of defensive about that. I, yeah, I, there's there's no denying it. Whether it was intentional or not, the final product was very gumpy. <laughs> like, except it's not whimsical. It's not stupid. No, like Forrest Gump. Like, no, but it was like it's hard to explain. But you just get this Gump feeling from it. Like, I, I, maybe tonally, but even this seemed much more serious than Gump. Mm-hmm. They're, I don't know. Like they're talking about how he's like, and people are saying that the the uh, have you seen this, Mickey? No. Uh, people are saying that the um, hummingbird is like the feather substitute. Yeah. If you remember that, and then he, he got he got mad at that because it's described that the hummingbird is something that relates to the infinite, like a figure eight, because its wings are doing a figure eight mm-hmm. when it's staying afloat. So he's saying that. Whenever you see the hummingbird, it, it's not hope. It's it's the um, it's just that we're all stuck in this endless cycle of life. And, and also in the commentary, it's hilarious is that you get the idea that he really hates the concept of happiness, and like because he says, "I can't stand watching people be happy in a film. There's nothing more that I hate than that." So sounds like my kind of director. I wish I liked him more. Um, <laughs> at the end, he said, "I thought." I wanted to show everybody's obituary that time <laughs> and how they died instead of having a snapshot of everybody that was in the movie. But I got vetoed down. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> so did you... You didn't like this the first time and then you like it the second time. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand... It's a flawed film. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure... Like I said, I think it does on the strength of the images alone. And like I, when I watched it with commentary, there were moments that I started crying. <laughs> uh, 
even though I wasn't listening to anything other than Fincher's voice. So that cued me in because I wasn't even watching it like on a narrative level. Yeah. That was just the strength of an image or two. Um, the Last Hour is by far the weakest, and it's because you can't really explain away his aging process. Yeah. Like when, when they're talking about him leaving, to an extent there's a surrogate of that of just feeling like you can't. Like, I think feeling... I don't know. Maybe that's getting too into it. Anyways, I relate to this film, and that's really all I can say. Um, so, yeah, I, I really don't know what to That's surprising to me, but I'm, I'm still not going to watch it again. <laughs> um, also, the most gumpy character is Captain Mike, <laughs> but even he's, he's so outrageously... Uh, I don't know if you want to call him funny. He's such a great, well-made character, a well-acted character. Um, and he kind of reminds me of um, this French film, uh, La Intemelante. <laughs> I can never do the French pronunciations unless I've heard it and I'm mimicking it. Um, it's an uh, old 34 French film about a uh, tugboat, so there's some similarities there. Um, but, yeah, I really like that character and... A lot of the humor of the film comes from that section. I don't remember that character. I, that, it was the captain of the boat that Benjamin worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a while since I seen. Do you remember the scene where? He, okay, do you know the, you know the premise, right, Mikey? He's aging. He he's born with that deformity where he ages faster than he grows. No, he's he's born old. Oh, so when he's born, like the father. The mom dies in childbirth, and the father looks at him, and he thinks he's like a demon or something like that, so he wants to throw him away. But instead, he puts him on the porch of a um, nursing home, and it's run by um, not a black family, but I don't know, by blacks. I, I mean, I guess that makes sense, but you know, at the time, things were so unequal. I'm wondering if that was possible. It is. It is kind of funny since. The idea of race is addressed to an extent in the film that you get this idea of all these uh, these white affluent families dumping their rich old people at this black run nursing home, which there's nothing wrong with that, but to them there would be so <laughs> there's an element of complete disrespect. Um, and anyways, so then um, he's brought up in this environment. Uh, where his friends that he's making that are teaching him how to play piano or whatever, you know, they they die and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so when he's like 14, he looks like, say, 76 or something like that, and he, he starts to work at a tugboat. And the captain's like, uh, so let, let me just ask, can you still, uh, you know, give it up? And, and he's like, yeah, and absolutely no problem with that. And he's like, so when's the last time you've had, you had a woman? And he's like, I've never had a woman. And like the captain is so upset. He's like, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, and he won't let it go. And then he takes him to a brothel and he fucks the brains out of some Because <laughs> he's like awesome. 14. Yeah. Yeah. And then he has to live with this STD. <laughs> Does the STD get worse as he gets younger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have to shut that part of your brain off, <laughs> yeah, otherwise the movie doesn't work at all. <laughs> they um, they took that aging backwards concept from Mork and Mindy too, because I remember oh, yeah. Jonathan John Winters, Winters was, was Mork's son, and he was <laughs> he was born he hatched from an egg, right? And he was really old, mm-hmm. and I think the concept was that he ages backwards. That's why he was born old. 
Yeah, well, it's not Morgan Mindy. It's a completely different. <laughs> yeah, market, it's not as good as Morgan Mindy. <laughs> it's like it's it's a completely different text for completely different purposes, and it, it's whether you like it or not. I think it's a well-made film. So, anyways, we're gonna move on. Uh, Jesus Christ, we're gonna move on. I've only been talking for two hours. <laughs> um, Zodiac. Uh, it's still one of the best films I've ever seen. Probably the top fifty. Oh, nice. Awesome. If, you're, if that's going to be our feature, then... I'm done, yeah. Okay. okay, moving on. I've only seen the director's cut, though, which is almost three hours. The one on Netflix <laughs> is two and a half, so I don't know what's cut out. But it is a long film. Hmm. And there's no director's cut on Netflix? No. That's a shame. They should give us that choice. Because it should be the same as watching the DVD. When you rent a DVD, often they have both cuts on one disc. <laughs> one of my friends just watched it, and I asked her... Because a certain scene just seemed like it was primed to be cut. She said, like, no, that was in there. So I, yeah. I really don't know what on earth was cut. But, um, I'm looking forward to it. And then the game, um, which on Blu-ray just looks incredible. And honestly, that might be a argument against digital because the game was filmed in film, obviously, back mm-hmm. in 97. And it just looks incredible on HD. Uh, it's I've seen it probably ten times. Uh, and I'm sure I'm joking about that, and it might be my favorite venture. I wouldn't mind revisiting that film at some point. And you know, I I really like what Fincher does visually in his films. It's just mm-hmm. some of the films that I didn't like of his had storyline issues, and that's that's like a deal breaker for me. So right, I'm with you on the game though. I think I've seen that like seven or eight times. Yeah. So like I, I hear people complain that you know it's a one timer. I'm like, not no. at all. No, no. like what. <laughs> No, I, I could watch it endlessly. Um, just a great film, and it, it honestly might be one of my favorite films of all time. Like, as in a top ten. Not to spoil the game, uh, but it's a fantastic film. And uh, if you haven't seen it, by all means, check it out. Um, okay, I'll just be quick. I watched Side by Side again. That's that documentary about digital and yep. uh, film. I started that one, and, and then like thirty seconds into it, I got interrupted, and I never went back to it. It's, yeah. I, I love it. It's great. It has just so many fantastic directors talking. <laughs> Again, yeah. this is your one-stop shop here. Everybody that you want to hear talk about. Yeah, I definitely need to stay catch up the moment. That. Still on Netflix, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, Lana Wachowski's comments are just so stupid, and I just have to... Is that how you say Wachowski? Wachowski. What? Most people say Wachowski. I don't know if that's right or not. Um, I just want to point out a few of them. First of all, she, obviously she's a big into digital, um, anti-film, and she thinks that's great and there's no going back. So when Keanu Reeves asks, and by the way, they kind of treat Keanu like crap because they know him so well from the Matrix movies, I think they, they can't accept that he's interviewing them. I, I can't accept that either, so good on them. I like them already. Well, he's fine in those documentaries, he's asking questions, he's attentive. Anyways, um... Does he say whoa after the answer? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, communal ex- when when, they, when he's talking about the communal experience of film being lost, you know, like because we're not getting together anymore, we're just watching it like on TV or on our phones or whatever like that. Um, she says that it's actually better served through internet chatter because you can get like a bunch of people together watching it over online and talking about it. So. 
First of all, I'd like to point out that people don't talk to each other in the theater. <laughs> that watching the film together is because there's a bunch of people in the room experiencing the film together and reacting to it the same way, not like, whoa, damn, that girl's hot. Like, I can't imagine what fabulous little <laughs> snippets I'm missing from watching it with people online. I mean, I'd, I like to avoid internet chat rooms, not interrupt my film. <laughs> Don't you read what assholes are saying? I know. Well, who's going to be like, oh my god, I just got finished with the first 20 minutes of the game, <laughs> and so far it's amazing. Just, please don't post any spoilers, but what do you guys think of the first 20 minutes? Yeah, or, or that people don't get together like in an AOL chat room yeah. and watch a film together. Like, nobody does that. I've never heard of a single person doing that. So that comment is stupid. Yes. The second comment, that was stupid. Um... When they're talking about how digital films might be lost someday, but are we doing enough to preserve these films? She says, or he, I'm sorry. (laughs) What is it? She? Yeah, I think it is a More respectful to say she now, because I think that's what. I think she actually is a she. I think she actually had the surgery. Um, I'll stop a pre up. Digital films uh, won't be lost as uh, technology changes because, quote, throughout history, Humans have found ways of keeping what is important. Well, I <laughs> want to point out that something called the Dark Ages happened. <laughs> that stuff wasn't important, Austin. <laughs> and then something called World War II happened. And we lost all of Europe. <laughs> important. The monuments men saved what was important. <laughs> so that was also completely idiotic. Everything she said was just completely idiotic and pissed me off or whatever it is. So, um, last thing I'll say, I don't think it's going to get much discussion, so it should be brief. Um, I watched two Harold Lloyd films and a Charlie Chaplin film, uh, Safety Last and Speedy. Guys? Hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say Duck Soup. That's Marx Brothers. Sorry. Never seen them. Um, Harold Lloyd's kind of the third. You have Chaplin, Keaton, and Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, Safety Last is his most famous one is when he's you've probably seen the image of him hanging off a clock on a tall building. Where do you did, where do you think he ranks in the Keaton Chaplin third Okay, by far, kind of. Yeah. Safety Last is fantastic, and I, I've I've never seen anything like it. Um, first of all, Criterion just has a new one up. I've seen it before. I've actually seen all the films that I watched before. Um, but. I haven't seen it for a long time. And the HD is just phenomenal. You're, you're looking at LA in 1922 and like it's perfect clarity. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it was shot today. It just, it's in That's LA. Awesome. Um, so just as a time capsule is amazing. But the last segment, which is him climbing a building and is doing all these outrageous stunts on top of a fucking building. <laughs> like it's just, he doesn't seem afraid. He's playing it comically perfectly and. They did fudge it a bit, and I don't want to ruin the illusion, but let's just say he could have gotten seriously hurt, and he, yeah. he, he could have died easily. He was the first Jackie Chan. Yeah, kind of, exactly. And apparently a prop bomb went off in his hand like a few years earlier, and like either he was missing or his like thumb and two fingers were deformed in one hand. Ooh. So he's doing all like all these things like with really with this one good hand. Wow, wow. Um, so, was he like Chris Elliott from Scary Movie? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? I've seen those parts. I think it's Scary Movie 2. Yeah. One of my friends decided that I, my hand. <laughs> I needed to see all the Chris Elliott parts. Yes. And, um, what were they saying? 
back that ass up or something like that, shake that ass, when um, Andy Richards playing piano. Oh, I don't remember that part. He showed me that, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so Phenomenal Speedy takes place in New York, and it's a perfect time capsule of Coney Island. They go to Luna Park, which burned down. Um, so anything Coney Island. I, I had a really strong interest as a kid, so just watching it again, it was just like, geez, this is... He even gives um, Babe Ruth a ride in a taxi. <laughs> wow. So you get Babe Ruth in the movie. Um, it doesn't hold up as a story or a, for its jokes anywhere near as well as uh, Safety Last. Safety Last is, even before it gets that set piece, it's pretty funny, actually. And City Lights, Chaplin film, it's uh, phenomenal. Um, have you guys seen any Chaplin movies? No. Nope. A lot of um, times I've seen a Chaplin movie. I've seen <laughs> clips of Chaplin movies, but no. I watched a lot of Buster Keaton recently, but I... <laughs> I don't even know the names. They were just little episodes on YouTube. Oh, okay. Must have watched about eight of them. So, like his one re- reelers? The- I guess that's what they were, yeah. They were maybe 15 or 20 minutes long. Right. Um, yeah, he's great. He, he's great in uh, like a whole other way. Chaplin's movie, like especially after watching Lloyd, he has such a command of cinematic language. All of his shots are perfectly framed. It edits at a perfect time. Mm-hmm. And that's it's, it's very even modern today to look at it. And his... His character is just so original, and I just really realized that we don't have that anymore. We don't have an auteur who has a, his own little character or something like that and, and acts in a way that's creative, like in a way that is indelibly that character. Like we don't have that. Period. Woody Allen, maybe in a few decades ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess Woody Allen has that. That's a good. Good point. And now Woody Allen, whoever acts in a Woody Allen movie. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's, I mean, even that's kind of a stretch. But yeah, you're right. I can't think of anybody else. Um, so, yeah, I'm, thinking, I'm probably going to go on a big Chaplin kick, so I'll have more to say. I've seen about half of his main movies. But, and uh, maybe I'll throw in some Keaton. But yeah, I think kind of talked long enough. No. All right. Is it my turn? What you been watching? What you I've been watching? What you, what you I've been watching? Um... I watched uh, three or four movies this week, past couple weeks. Uh, first, I watched Aeon Flux. With uh, Charlize Theron? Charlize Theron. Was that good? Um, I can't say that it was good. I can't say it was bad. It was just kind of mediocre. It was just kind of a blasé sci-fi flick. The cartoon was kind of blasé. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> they, they did a lot of shots that that mimicked the cartoon mm-hmm. and then it kind of really didn't go anywhere from there it was kind of a, a very mundane very formulaic resistance overcoming yeah. oppression story um, although the, the one of the actors in it is the guy who plays uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes on Elementary and he does Johnny what the hell is his name Johnny Johnny Lee Something. John, Johnny Lee Miller. There you go. <clears throat> I was close. I wanted to say Hooker. <laughs> John Lee Hooker, yeah. He's in a lot of movies nowadays. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, He was better in this movie than he was on uh, playing Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, he's not a bad actor. No. He was on Dexter for one season. He was good. He's just really blase. That sucks. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Was her outfit as skimpy as Anne Flex's outfit? No, it wasn't as yeah, skimpy. Like, I'm not going to watch it. They, they even, <laughs> like at the beginning of the movie, they, they did the whole fly walking across her eyeball thing. And, and she, she catches it with her eyelashes. eyelashes. But, you know, it's, the movie's a couple years old, so it's 
obvious CG. Um, then I also watched about half of The Hobbit. Hmm. Why only half? I fell asleep, then I had to turn it back to the... Uh... Where can you get your hands on The Hobbit? Is it out on DVD or Yeah. Oh, it's been out for like four months. I had no idea. Do you have a 3D TV? No. So you had to watch it in boring old 2D? <laughs> yeah, regular stereoscopic. Or no, sorry, without stereoscopic 3D. No. Um, it, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you about go. the frame rate. Is, do, we can't watch it at home at that frame rate that they showed in the theater, right? No, no. There's You'd no have possible. to get a 4K TV. Okay. Um, but it's still, it looks amazing still. Yeah. Because I think my TV does 120 hertz. Okay. Still not... Awesome, awesome, but it's. Do you guys like that? Because I actually went to see it in the normal 24. Really? Or was it 30 frames? I don't know. Um, Well, they showed it. 24 is normal, and then they also showed it in what, 48? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was 24. I, I, for whatever reason, I stuck my head that it might have been 30. But you're. Yeah, I saw it in normal 24. I, I hate that ultra smooth effect. You know what's really funny? When I got this current TV, it was an upgrade for my 60 hertz projection going to 120 and this is already a couple years old but when I first got it I really saw the 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 smoothness being a little too fluid it almost made it seem like a, a really poorly shot 80s movie yeah with the way they kind of do the panning and stuff and then you go back and you watch an older TV and, you, and when you sit in front of that TV you go man this is a crappy TV really? and you, you really can see that it's not the same <laughs> and then when you go back to watch your TV it's all weird again for another couple days <laughs> And then that's that's what the same. I once saw a, a 4K TV, and I felt like, wow, this is just way too smooth. Hmm. Yeah, I saw one playing at Best Buy, and I didn't like it, and that made me happy because no envy. Yeah, that's true. I like it when something expensive, when I don't like expensive stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even turn on the 120. Yeah, I like to walk around and be like, fuck that Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't drive that for anything. <laughs> So, so was it a good movie? Oh, you only watched half of it. So. <laughs> yeah, I got to the point where they uh, they made it to uh, the Elf City. I can't think of the name right now. It's too late. Rivendell. Rivendell. And uh, were you a huge fan of the other? Lord I like the other movies. Ones, yeah. Okay. I actually was part of the campaign not to buy the DVD version because they had announced that they're going to do the the or not buy the Blu-ray of the Lord of the Rings because they did these. The, the incremental release where they did the theatrical version of all three films then purposely waited six months to release the, the extended cuts just so they could resell those those IPs again. Oh, they did that with this? There's an extended Hobbit? You know? Is there? Yeah. So did you buy it or rent it? No, I rented it okay. so I could buy the other one later. Okay. I think, what was it, Amazon, the original DVD of uh, Lord of the Ring, or no, the Blu-ray has like a one star compared to the other one having like a right. four star yeah. uh, for that. Uh, then I saw uh, the incredible Burt Wonderstone, magician movie. The magician movie, but with uh, Steve Carell and uh, Steve Buscemi, and number thirteen, whatever her name is, thirteen. Thirteen from House. From House. Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Um, <clears throat> it's not the funniest Steve Carell movie, but man, is it! Uh, it's it's very creative. Really? If you like magic, if you like magic, and you and you kind of at least kept what's been going on with who's been doing magic, mm -hmm. at least in the, in the background, like you've at least half-ass paid attention to it. 
with some of the crazy stunts that uh, some of the street music magicians have been doing, mm-hmm. like uh, David Blaine, David Blaine, and uh, Chris, Angel. Chris Angel, and then kind of put them up against like a Sieg- uh, Siegfried and Royd act. Yeah, Siegfried and Royd. Royd, yeah, <laughs> he's very big now. You should see him. <laughs> Siegfried and Royd, and it's just they, they. Uh, the over-the-top performance that Jim Carrey does portraying the Chris Angel-type magician mm-hmm. is just incredible when paired against Steve Carell. Because mm. Steve Carell plays the I've, like the old hack-type magician. I've been doing this for 30 years. I can do the same same bit yeah. for, in, for Infinity. And then uh, Jim Carrey comes along and does this new flashy, flashy magic that... Uh, isn't explainable mm. because it's not really magic. He really is just sacrificing himself to do these acts. Mm. Like, uh, I think if you've seen the preview where he hammers the nail into the table with his face. So he really does. He really just, just never nail in his face. Yeah. That's funny. And so he's like slowly deforming himself throughout the movie, yeah. getting all these injuries. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but if they're making fun of David Blaine, that's, that's not accurate because Blaine uses tricks for all of his stunts. Yeah. But like, like they even have they have this one scene where he's uh almost almost like a, a Talladega night scene mm-hmm. where um uh whatever the hell his name is, Sasha Barracone comes in and confronts yeah. them. That's he has this like that same type of scene except when Jim Carrey leaves he does that float thing and then floats out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> so now now that uh this has been released at the same time as Now You See Me, are people always <laughs> going to confuse those two movies? I don't know. And they're always going to be like, you're going to say, hey, did you see the Steve Carell mu- magician movie? And they're going to be like, oh, Now You See Me? That movie sucked. Well, it depends. You'll probably like Now You See Me, and I'll like the Burt Wonderstone yeah, better. No, I don't think I'm going to like Now You See Me. That movie looks stupid. <laughs> that Now You See Me is basically the illusionist, where there's all these magic tricks that are never explained. That they just like, hey, I'm going to shoot money from my fingers because I'm magic. <laughs> there, you know, what's really funny is there's no, there's no point to the tricks, and they even tell you how they do all the tricks, which is really funny. Yeah, because they're really not tricks. But uh, totally worth checking out if you like magic at all. Cool. If because the whole theme, the real overarching theme is if you if you're interested in magic, it's because it is magic. You don't know why, but you're still just... You have that oh-wow moment. Yeah. Um, and then our feature presentation, which I watched, and I think that's all I've really been watching. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we're going to take a quick break right now, and uh, we'll be back for our uh, feature presentation and uh, my top ten list. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, we're going to go through uh, Mikey's quick top ten here, and then we're going to get to our feature presentation of Shane. You might recall last week, if you were following along, that we were going to do Swimming with Sharks, but that was uh, very abruptly removed from Netflix. And now that we skipped a week, this week it was back on Netflix. But we're moving <laughs> on with really? Shane. Yes, it is. <laughs> I didn't notice it came back. It was gone for like, what, four days? It was gone just long enough for us to say, crap, what are we going to do? Let's Ob- pick another movie. Obviously, someone at Netflix knows that we're using them. They listen to the show. And yeah. they're like, you're not using Max for that. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Off the air. Wow. That's crappy. Um, 
So this week, John, it's not going to do as well as John's top ten from last week. That was just dynamite. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but this week, I decided to do the top ten sexy aliens in film. Nice. Uh, so on. Uh, bear with us. We have visual representation on the screen. So as we're going through these, I'm going to show the gentleman here. These are elves. Elves. Yes, <laughs> aliens I'd like to fuck. <laughs> Um, so let's go ahead and start with uh, number 10. Uh, there's nothing hotter than a girl dressed as a cheerleader um, that you could have your way with if you had a kryptonite condom. That is ah. Helen Slater as Supergirl. You know, I forgot that was Helen Slater. Yeah. So it's the secret of how to get in Supergirl's pants. <laughs> wait, wait. That sounded kind of rapey. <laughs> <laughs> Remember she was in Secret of My Success? No. That was... Uh, she was, yeah. She yeah. was the... She was, she was the, the girlfriend. girlfriend. And she looks oh, yeah, yeah. remarkably more endowed in this movie. Uh, I like the old Popeyes there. Yeah. Oh, Too bad they didn't uh, <laughs> cut off a little bit more. It could be I love that chick. Ah. <laughs> so. Very yeah. hot. Yeah, very I, hot. I have to say, she's an elf. Elf. But, you know, if um, Supergirls aren't your thing, what about a killer alien? So we have Natasha Henstrung as Syl from Species. Henstridge? How the hell do you pronounce her name? I thought you said Henstridge. Yeah, I thought you said Henstrom. Whatever. Maybe you're. Doesn't matter. She's she's (laughs) Max Henstrom. She's very hot. She is quite hot. Yes. You're going well with the elf. Yeah. There we go. I don't disagree with any of your choices. So then, uh, how about a shape-shifting bad girl who's done some time? It's uh, I Man from uh, David uh, Bowie's bedroom. Yes. Did you just call her I Man? That's the character's name. I Man, or that's her name. There's I Man. It's Iman. Yeah. Austin said I Man. He did it first. I <laughs> just followed I, suit. I could swear it's Iman. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I Man. I Man. Uh, it's such a weird name, but yeah. I'm gonna name my daughter I Man. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's Iman. But they were like, we're not changing it. I don't care if it's a girl. What, what movie is this from? Uh, Star Trek VI, The oh, Undiscovered Country. that's why I don't recognize it. Okay. Yeah, she plays a shape-shifting fugitive who kills little blonde girls. <laughs> no, she just becomes a little blonde girl. Get out oh, of that's the right. Chains. Let's get out of chains. Um, so, change gears a little bit here. Everyone here loves a MILF, right? We were just talking about oh, that yeah. a few minutes ago. No, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is actually one of my crushes from childhood. It's Kim Basinger as Celeste Martin in My Stepmother's an Alien. Dude. <laughs> Talk about hot. Kim Basinger. She's a little bit more than 108, but it's all in the chest. I'm speechless. What number is she on the list? She is number seven. Okay. I'm, I can tell you right now I'm going to have a hard time with everybody else on your list because I think she should be number one. <laughs> well, okay. What we'll else was she in? She was in Nine and a Half Weeks. Batman. I'm just going to name the movies she got naked in. She was in Nine and a Half Weeks. <laughs> she was in... Um, uh, Batman was what I was thinking of. The Getaway. That was which my I don't even favorites. think you can find this movie anymore, but if you... Because I don't think it's in print anymore. But anyway, with Alec Baldwin in The Getaway, that's actually a really good movie. It's a remake of the old Steve McQueen movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, man, is she hot in that movie. And she's already... Like 44 or something by the time they made that. Amazing. Um, and then uh, she's in Out of Africa, I think. Or no, I Dreamed of Africa. And then uh, she played Eminem's mom in 8 Mile. Hmm. And then she did a bunch of movies where she kept her clothes on. 
<laughs> but those are not important. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not in the mood for a MILF, what about a GILF? <laughs> so we guy guy I'd like to fuck Judy Dench as Arian in no. Chronicles of Riddick no. <laughs> no, no. Should have been Helen Mirren anyways I can almost relate to Austin being attracted to Helen Mirren but I, I can't follow you with this Judy Dench thing um, Mikey what's with, with her hand too oh, oh yeah oh my god the hand alone yeah, can you imagine that holding on to your no, naughty bit? No, that's like not really not the hand that rocks. Well, okay. <laughs> well, you're not into I like, that. I like the still that you chose first, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really imagine. You know, just ask her to take out her teeth and. Yeah, you didn't even pick a, a photo where she looks attractive at all. I don't know if there is one at this point. <laughs> Has she been an actress for a long time? Yeah. Like, are there like, photos of her young? Yeah, there. There. She did a. a uh, a Shakespeare uh, video or movie hmm. where she was like half naked and she's pretty hot back in the day. And you still think like her looking yeah, like that? You chose Chronicles of Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a single man right now and she knocked on your door. Absolutely. Not? No, but oh. as an alien. <laughs> oh, that's why you had to choose her. That's right. Because yeah. she's, yeah, but you ranked her above Kim Basinger. Well, 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 look at if Kim Basinger, Mike and Judy Dench show up on your doorstep and they like, you gotta pick one. <laughs> you're gonna go with Judy Dench. Okay, okay. If you're upset about this, <laughs> let's get back on track here and we'll, quite, we'll get back to, quite the, uh, we'll get back, we'll get back on track. Okay, so, so what we'll do, if you don't like old ladies, we'll just go to blue. Okay, so how about Amy Allen as Ayla Sakura from Star Wars Episode 2? I can get on board with this. Okay, okay. I'm glad you're back on board. She's a she's a Twi'lek, for those of you that can't see the photo. John will upload these photos later to the website. Uh, she's the one that dances, or that's the race that dances. That's this race that dances yeah, from the first... Yeah, original. if you've ever played a Star Wars video game or seen any of the Star Wars movies, then there's uh, these blue chicks that wear these bikinis and they dance, and instead of hair, they've got two tentacles on the top of their head, like... Fat worms going down the top of their head, right? right. But, uh, and uh, yeah, they look pretty hot. Yeah, and she's she. This particular actress is far hotter blue than she is in pink. Yeah. <clears throat> so What's her name again? Uh, Amy Allen. Amy Allen. Has she ever done anything else? Yeah. I like to see her unblue. No, <clears throat> yeah, don't don't bother. <laughs> no. Just keep keep her blue in your head. <laughs> Amy Allen blue. So if blue is not your thing, what about green? How about a green chick with red hair? Yo, so we have who is that? Rachel Nichols as Gyla uh, from Star Trek. Oh, no wonder I didn't recognize her. Another Star Trek. She's green. She looks like the She-Hulk. <laughs> Austin? Uh, this is the, uh, the Abrams. Re- yeah, the J.J. Abrams reboot. Right, not, not the uh, cage. Yeah, she's a little bit... Uh, more full-figured than most uh, others on the list. I was going to say, I like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, she's hot. I, I thought she was hot. Okay. So let's stick with that red hair and go it's to one of my... Uh, <laughs> let's stick with the red hair and go to one of my more personal favorites. Lilu uh, uh, from Fifth Element by... Uh, what's her name? Mila... Mila Jovovich. Yes. Quite hot. You need to see her topless. She's an elf, for sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she still looks hot too, and she's quite old now doing those Resident Evil like 17 or whatever they're up to it's ridiculous mm-hmm. that she's making her living and she's still by hot. making Resident Evil movies but yes her eyes are amazing 
All right, so this uh, this number three, or this number, uh, yeah, this number two should have been my number three. Can you guys guess what it's going to be? No. Mm. No, sorry. It's Mary from Total Recall. <laughs> Lucia Naff, the three-breasted woman. Maybe you make me wish I had three hands. <laughs> um, I had to choose between the, the original three-breasted woman and the new three-breasted woman, mm. and I went with the original. They they did the three boob in the new Colin Farrell one. They did really. I wonder what else they. Wait, have you seen that? No, I just found the pictures when I was looking for these. Mm. Did they do? Yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna need to watch that movie because now I'm wondering: Did they pull the giant thing out of his nose? Did he do the two weeks? Two weeks. <laughs> that would freak me out, though. Honestly, I I don't think I could. I don't think I could handle that. No, you no. can't. There's no really like you need a friend to put your head between everything. I, yeah. I... Two, two is a perfectly good number. Yeah, <laughs> maybe if Reason one crowd. <laughs> maybe if one of them was on her back. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that would actually be better. It still freaked me out, but it would be better. <laughs> uh, last but not least, I had to show uh... two on the back. <laughs> That wouldn't be bad. Two in the front and two on the back. That way, no matter which way she's facing, you can enjoy. How about, like, all down the outside of her thighs? <laughs> now you're talking. Just nipples everywhere. Uh, how about instead of eyeballs, you have boobs on her face? <laughs> then you'd always be looking at her eyes. Exactly. Um, and last but not least, uh, I had to put a tranny on the list. Oh, yeah. Way better than this here. <laughs> so it's uh, Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter. <laughs> is he is an, an alien? alien? He's an alien. Oh, from, I thought he was a sweet transvestite. Yeah, from Transylvania. Transylvania. Mm. Yeah, so he is an alien. Mm. Ah, so... Do not want. <laughs> You're not even looking, John. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I already can tell you, I do not... And, yeah. yeah. Him and Judy Dench ranked above Kim Basinger. This is... <clears throat> it's the crime of the century. And I, I think Kim Basinger ranked lower because she didn't really look like an alien. Yeah, that? that's right. Okay. You got it. Mm. These are definitely alien. This is an alien list, not just hot chick list. Well, this guy could be in... New York in like the late seventies, <laughs> I'm not sure. And you did mention that we had quite a few Star Treks on here, and the one Star Trek I did want to put on here was T'Pol. Now she is by far the hottest Star Trek character. Who? What? What show is this from? Enterprise. Oh, okay. And she's T'Pol. Do you know the actress's name? Oh crap! I don't know off the top of my head. No, that's okay. You don't need to look it up. How about uh, Jerry Ryan? Jerry Ryan is in which... She's in Deep Space Nine? She's in uh, Voyager. Seven of Nine? Yeah. She's pretty hot. But I think she's hotter. Voyager? And this one's Enterprise? This is Enterprise. Who's the captain of Enterprise? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, she's hot. Is she a Vulcan? She is a Vulcan. So she has no emotions. Even better. That's right. (laughs) Does she have a a sexual interest at all? Uh, With that guy. Oh, really? It was like uh, the engineer. Oh, I thought you were the only because it's logical. <laughs> it's only logical to have sex with him. <clears throat> but she starts breaking her vow of uh, 
emotion to be with him, and then she quits the crew, goes back to Vulcan, tries to rationalize it, and it like a big story arc with them. But gotcha. she is ridiculously hot. She is. I have to agree with you. Was she number one? No, she was like she's, a bonus. Yeah, she's a bonus because she's never appeared in a feature film. Oh, who was number one? Tim Curry? Tim Curry was number one. <laughs> okay, Mikey, you are revealing interesting stuff. <laughs> if all ten of these aliens showed up on his doorstep, he would send them, Curry. All, he would send them all away except Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Would you tell him to stop eating your sesame cakes? <laughs> I don't know. Kim Basinger is pretty damn hot. Kim Basinger has to be number one, but i got to tell you, that green chick would be my number two for sure. Not, even over the blue chick? I don't know. Yeah, blue, yeah, yeah. green. Green blue, is the new blue. Green. I think. <laughs> you just like the green chick because she's a redhead. Um, I like her because she has meat on her bones. She does have some bit, pretty big knockers. Well, not just that, but the hips and the thighs. and She's thick. She's attractive. She is. She's proportioned. Oh, there you oh, go. Yeah. The Voluptuous. <laughs> oh, right. oh, there's another one. Oh, wait, no. Isn't there like an amp? Never mind. Sensual? <laughs> so then we'll, I guess uh, we'll talk about what we're going to do next week. Next week we're going to do, I think we've already stated it, we're going to do um, Zodiac? Zodiac, Zodiac as our feature presentation. So who's in that movie, Austin? Mark Rufflio. <laughs> that just for you, John. <laughs> I like him. I like yeah, Mark, great. Mark Rufflio. <laughs> um, and uh, <clears throat> Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. Hmm, good. And uh, lots of good actors so far. Tons of good an- actors in this movie. Anthony Edwards. Um, Speaking of Robert Downey Jr., are they going to be up Ship Creek when he stops doing Iron Man or what? Well, he signed on for like the rest of or like uh, Iron Man 3 yeah. and Avengers 2 and 3. But if you are familiar with the comic book version of Iron Man, he has none of Robert Downey Jr.'s sense of humor. And he's he's generally a pretty serious guy. You're talking about just the Tony Stark character? Yeah, with like a drinking problem. But he's not the wisecracking, like, funny guy that Robert Downey Jr. is. And when they have to reboot that... I mean, they really reinvented Tony Stark for the movies. He's very different than he is in the comics. When they reboot that series, if they're going to have to make a choice. Do they stay true to the comics, or do they try to replace somebody... Or replace Robert Downey Jr. with somebody who's going to attempt to mimic Robert Downey Jr.? They might not, though. I mean, and how much longer is the comic... Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a fad, but movement going to be dominant. Like, think about action movies in the 80s. Early 90s, you never saw those dropping out, but they're gone. Yeah, when are people going to get sick of seeing That's true. the world blowed up? That's because nobody by. could take the torch after Arnold <clears throat> and Stallone got old. But even their crew started waning while they were still making action. Yeah, that's true. But Tony Stark, is, or sorry, not Tony Stark, but uh, Robert, Downey Robert Downey Jr. is in his 50s now, isn't he? Yeah, he's older. Yeah. old dude. But he doesn't really do much. Like, yeah, the suit does all the work. Yeah. <laughs> he just acts normal, and then they do a close-up of his face and overlay some CG. He could be in a seventy thing. We need to do an Iron Man five. <laughs> Indie, not like as much. What, what's the James Bond where James Bond is old? Sean Connery plays James Bond. Never seen ever like fifty. Is that it? Yeah. Have you seen it? Hmm. No. They could do that with Iron Man. 
I watched seventy year old Iron Man. Where like he has to put on the suit just to go to the bathroom because <laughs> the suit has to carry him. All right, let's get talking about our feature presentation. Shane. 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 <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, you hit on my number one complaint. About <laughs> well, good. Discussion over. <laughs> so you guys have both seen this movie before, correct? No, no you've never seen it. I have. You have seen it. John yeah. has seen it. Austin has not seen it. Until this week. Right? Yes. Yeah. So until we had to not do... Swimming with sharks, and I had to frantically pick another choice. Network executive wants to put us out of business. They pulled because they're threatened by us. I tell you, <laughs> oh, they're going to do Shane, huh? Fuck them. We'll take that off and Fringe. <laughs> uh, so, what do you guys think about the movie? Cursory overlay. Um, I liked it. Um, you know, I like cowboy movies, and this was a good cowboy movie. I don't watch many older movies, so. It's always a new experience for me when I go back a few decades and watch a movie. So it's educational. But, of course, there's things that feel dated about it, like the little boy screaming, Shane! Shane! That kid was <laughs> 50s incarnate. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I liked it. as I, I liked it. I, I guess I like my cowboy movies a little darker and grittier and so like I loves me some Clint Eastwood but the era right before Clint Eastwood where the good guys were just squeaky clean good that's the one I I don't like as much but this one was good. Jack Palance was an excellent bad guy and I have to say I have kind of a special relationship with this movie only because the first time I watched it was because comedian Bill Hicks mentions it in his stand-up routine and he talks about how uh, America is like Jack Palance from Shane, where we threaten the smaller countries and we're like, throw a gun on the ground and then we're like, pick it up. And then the other country's like, well, I don't want to pick it up, mister, because then if I pick it up, you're going to shoot me. And then we say, pick up the gun. you know. So he does this whole bit on how this <coughs> we're like the scene from Shane, and he's quoting these lines from Shane, where Jack Palance is telling some poor guy to pick up the gun. And then when the guy finally picks up the gun, the Jack Palance shoots him. And I thought, that sounds like a badass movie. I want to see that movie. And I went and watched it, and that scene's <laughs> not in the movie. It never happened. He, so, he, he, uh, there's a southern soldier that he starts mocking. Yeah. He, he mocks Lee and uh, some other Stonewall. Yeah. yeah, but um, it's not... It's um, not the Bill way he Hicks portrayed was, it. Bill Hicks was pretty specific in the way he's portraying the scene in his comedy routine. And uh, that, so there was, yeah, there was something that was kind of along the same lines, but no, I, I agree. It's but not. It's not it's, I mean, it's not in there. So the guy signed his own death warrant. Like, okay, you're mocking. I mean, clearly our sensibilities are like, why would you not mock? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but even at that, he, he starts to draw his gun. So yeah, you don't just draw your gun because somebody's mocking you. But still, even without that scene, though, Jack Palance was an excellent villain. I love that scene where the guy's walking down the street in the mud and Jack Palance is walking along on the, mm-hmm. the kind of sidewalk, the wooden sidewalk they had, and then they have that shootout right there. That's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. So. And what was nice about it, like, I'm a big fan of long long takes, mm-hmm. and that was a nice long take yeah. down the street of the town. Yeah. As small as the town is, you're only going down two or three buildings, but yeah. he's struggling. and That was probably the best visual 
element of that entire movie. Yeah, it's not a very like it, it's kind of shot for television, not really, but I mean that's what it looks like. That there's, there's nothing in it that's very cinematic. Um, it almost seemed like super low budget. Yeah, it was like, um, and I, I couldn't tell if it was because of the standard def or not, but everything was blurry and. Like, nobody's face was ever in focus. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. Yeah, I was wondering if it was because of Jean Arthur was 50 and they were trying to make her look younger and they just kind of put yeah. gauze over everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wow, she was 50? Mm. She's the one that played the wife, wife right? She was a 30 star for Capra movies. Wow. See, I just took it as their, their, great. their mm-hmm. old movie, have to show that glamour fuzzy shot. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, old movies can clean up really well. Especially in HD. So, like, Casablanca is famous because Ingrid Bergman has a gauze over, you know, every time you see her. But in HD, she still looks great. It's not like her face is totally obscured. <laughs> That's funny because, you know, because they were shot on film, they can convert it to high, de- or high def pretty mm-hmm. easily. But if we shoot something on digital today, mm-hmm. and then 20 years from now, we have something way better, we can't take today's digital and convert it to whatever the next thing is. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not without losing some quality. Maybe maybe there is some painstaking process where you can smooth it out, but it's not going to be the same when we're watching things in 20K. Yeah. <laughs> when our <laughs> eyes have evolved. Yeah. <laughs> we're seeing infrared now. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyways, we'll just a uh, brief synopsis. Um the plot's really pretty general. Uh, Shane shows up as just a wandering cowboy at a ranch, and at first there's a little tension, but then Shane proves to be a valuable adopted member of his family, more or less. Um, this is a very Clint Eastwood storyline, too. A I, lot of his movies were based on, you know, the stranger comes into yeah. town and saves it. I mean, that is to an extent a Western cliche. Um, but all, the, the scene when he goes, uh, at the end, when he goes into the bar... Reminded me of Unforgiven at the end, mm-hmm. not as gritty or anything. But yeah. to to be honest, for this movie, that was gritty as fuck. Like <laughs> yeah. for the fifties, yeah, that was pretty. No, uh, no. And uh, here's another thing: there's a lot of really twisted westerns in the fifties. Um, really? Anthony Mann, Man of the West. There, that movie is just fucking gritty. Like that movie is maybe even more gritty than Unforgiven. If if you want to forgive its fifties aesthetic, still. Hmm. Like, there are some scenes in that movie that are just like, wow, that's just... I'm not really sure why <laughs> you yeah. wanted to get that nasty, but... Um, I'm going to watch that now. Watch, you, watch any Anthony Mann Western. Maybe, not any for its grittiness, but the, he, he did psychological Westerns. The Naked Spur is absolutely fantastic. It's <laughs> one of my favorite... One of my tw- in the top 20 of the 50s movies of all time. Um, and Man of the West is fantastic, too, but I'd say that's, like, in the 50s. For me, but some people love that. Some that's some people's favorite Anthony yeah. man. Um, but Butaker, Butaker, I can't pronounce his name. But he's another <laughs> psychological Western director. Um, there's some pretty hardcore shit in those movies. So how does Shane stack up to the other? Because you've seen a lot of westerns from the '50s. So right. how does it? Not at all. I mean, you think it's good or no? Well, it's it's okay. I, I enjoyed it. I, I'll give it three but it's stars. Not one of your favorites of the decade. No, no. I mean, I, I don't. Think, I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Whereas. I've watched quite a few 50s westerns multiple times. Um, even John Ford and The Searchers. The Searchers is, you know, kind of the most quoted western, but um, Anthony Edwards, the John Wayne character, uh, he's pretty sadistic in the movie. Like, he'll desecrate a Indian corpse by shooting his eyes out. Mm-hmm. Just, 
to make sure it's wandering the spirit world forever. Like, he doesn't believe in it, but he's just doing it to say, fuck you. (laughs) Um, Near the end of the movie, he starts scalping people. Like, he's just, he goes completely crazy. Um, And it's kind of known for that. It's it's like pushing the macho over the edge. Hmm. So, yeah, there's there's tons of, for whatever reason, like, (laughs) the angst of the 50s just came through in the westerns. But this is a squeaky one, I guess. Um, and it's fine. Um, I, I agree with everything you said, John. And the fight scenes are very much that 50s style yeah, fight like, scene where they swing their hand way back and then they throw the punch so you can see it coming from a mile away. I'm like, come on, my 12-year-old son could have <laughs> ducked that punch. It's kind of television. And um, the way it's cut is weird. Like, it's edited poorly, I thought. Like, half the time the shot's not even showing. Like, <laughs> you see the staircase in the way. Like, mm. it's not artistically blocking it. It's just yeah. like... They didn't block the scene correctly or something like that. Why is this movie so famous then? I don't know. It's it's really been one of the only westerns that's famous that I haven't seen. Um, you know what's really funny? If you follow the show, like I hate old movies, mm-hmm. and I absolutely fell in love with this movie. Great, you loved it. I loved this. Really? Movie. I will. I honestly, I want to watch it like three or four more times. Wow. Wow. Okay. So that's. I I know. Like well, right. Share. What did you like All right, about so, it? Um, it reminded me a lot of, uh, Dances with Wolves. A lot of, a lot of very unnecessary artistic shots of location. Yeah. They had some beautiful yeah, mountain that's shots. True. At yeah. the beginning of the movie, especially. Um, even when they're like, even when the, when Stonewall dies and they're bringing him back, it's like, you see spoiler long alert. shots. Oh yeah, spoiler alert. Okay, from here on out, uh, well, I'm gonna go ahead and spoil the movie. Bring up a couple points that I want to discuss with the guys. So, uh, John kind of liked it. Austin kind of liked it, and I loved it surprisingly. <laughs> but we all liked it. Yes, That's the important thing here. So now we're just gonna argue about why we liked it more than others. <laughs> <laughs> My lukewarm liking it is better than your loving it. <laughs> Um, so if you if you uh, don't want us to spoil it, if you haven't caught up because we kind of snuck this one on you this week, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> um, so yeah, when Stonewall died, even when they were bringing bringing him uh, bringing when the Swede was bringing him back on the the extra horse, like it was still longer shots of him just kind of going through the countryside. Yeah. exclaiming that this has happened and um like the family comes out of the cabin and they all kind of line up to see the see the parade if you want if I can call it that and I, I found the movie charmingly chivalrous mm-hmm. and uh even like the little girl when they when the dead body was coming by she like waved to him and like just the innocence of that little girl like just made that scene totally as corny as that scene was where everyone's just kind of like lining up I just like was totally Enchanted by her just waving, and the other sister's like, "No, what the hell are you doing? Stop it!" <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, the the interaction between uh, what's his name, Start, Star, Smart, Star, yeah. Star, Star. Wait, was it Star? Was Who are you talking about? Which the, the husband? The oh, husband, I Star, wasn't it? Star. I thought it was Stark. But Stark? I thought it was Stark. Oh, well, Stark would make more sense than Star. <laughs> star sounds a little cowboy. <laughs> it's a star. <laughs> So be a star. yeah, the the interaction between Stark and his son was just uh, just priceless. Like his son would ask him, "Well, do you think he's uh, do you think he's dangerous, or do you think he's a good shot?" And his dad's like, "The hell if I know. I've never seen him shoot. You know, just like <laughs> you know, he was he was coarse, but 
not quite unbelievably coarse. That is true. Like the, I, I did find the family quite believable in their interactions. I, I think that's the part why I said the kid was very fifties is because it felt like a fifties family more than like a settlement family, which is, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that's relatable. Um, yeah. Oh, that was a positive. Oh, okay. Um, I thought it, 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 I, I wasn't, I know it's just a movie, but the way they portrayed this particular colony or this group of settlers mm-hmm. was very believable for me. The way that they, uh, they interacted, they'd have little meetings and they, even the antagonists up until they started killing people were, were trying to drive them off in believable ways, like driving a herd across just their, their yeah. crops or cutting fences, like all these yeah, little yeah. things. It was very, um, it was realistic in as far as people's motivations. Like the bad guys actually had a reason to be bad. Yeah. They were, you know, it, they had money at stake and it, it wasn't just like that kind of cliche where bad guys are just bad because they like being bad and bullying people. Mm. And so it, they actually had a reason for um, what they were doing. So I thought that was good. They had a lot of, you know, their character motivations were strong. Yeah, like the the main villain, he was he was wanting to drive them off because they settled around where the water was, and he was too far away from the water, so he wanted to drive them off so he could have water. Yeah, which I'm sure was a common occurrence back then. You know, especially in settlements where there wasn't a lot of law enforcement, you could if you could scare people away, why not? You know, you can get away with it if you know the only reason not to is your own pesky morals. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think Alan Ladd did a great job as Shane. Like he, he is kind of unusual, and I'm not really sure why. He just kind of portray, portrayed that character well. Like, and he's likable, and yeah, you know, he's he's a bit at he keeps people a bit at um, <clears throat> arm's length. At the same time, I like how he just accepts camaraderie as something that like I'm not going to betray this guy for no reason. I mean, he could have, but. I, I just think it's because they felt some sort of male camaraderie with each other or something like that. Yeah. Well, and he was the only guy that would give Shane a job, right? So. Yeah, I mean, at first you shoot him off, but then Shane defended him. Yeah. I mean, he obviously realized this guy's getting a bad shake, and he's justified for being so defensive about strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, at, at the same time, Shane seemed to have a, uh, again, like, unforgiven, uh, dishonorable past that he might have been trying to they kind of hinted at it. They didn't really ever... But yeah, I got that impression, too. Now, did you ever sense any like sexual tension right. between Shane and the wife? Yeah, for sure. And I think he even starts to talk about it and then stops. Like, I'm not the smartest man, but I know that if I'm gone... And he's trying to hint that Shane can take care of her. Yeah. yeah. And then Shane's getting along with, with the, the son. son. The like, son really loves Shane. kind of superfluous in the yeah. situation. So anyways. Like, yeah. And even <laughs> at the, the 4th of July dance, Shane's dancing with his wife. Yeah. yeah. So so maybe that actually influences motivation for uh, taking on the bad guys. Maybe maybe that, that, especially that fight at the end when they're fighting to see who ends up being... <laughs> The more no- noble of the two, like yeah, like may- maybe in a part that's also a hierarchy fight for the woman. And I'm sure Shane probably was tempted to just let that guy get killed before he right. jumped in to, to take out the yeah. bad guys. Like he knew he could kill the bad guys anytime he wanted, but he's like, oh, why don't I let this husband? 
Yeah, yeah. kill first. Maybe that's why he says, um, "I can't tell him what to do." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Shane's one conniving son of a bitch. Of bitch. <laughs> well, I mean, that stuff could be played. Like that's that's kind of the funny thing about the actor. You don't doubt that he's honorable. Just yeah. just the way he portrays it. So I, I don't think anything that I'm suggesting or that we're suggesting is true. But at the same I like time, to think it's true. At the same time, that, that's an element that could have been in the script that just wasn't picked up on. Yeah. Do you think that the the part where one of the gang quits and tells Shane that hey, this is the end, is part where he decides, okay, well, I'm not going to be such a, I'm not going to be as bad as these guys, mm-hmm. and I'll I'll. I'll kind of take the lead and do what I need to do so this guy can still have his family. Do you think that if that was scene was taken out, that he would just let him go off and he would have taken over the family? No, probably not. Do you think he's... But that scene was interesting, and that guy was interesting because I don't think he has a line through the whole movie. Just the director gives him some meaningful shots Yeah. to keep you, him in your mind. <laughs> and then like the only thing he says is he warns Shane. Did he... I wonder, did, isn't he the one that was like the main henchman or whatever, and then he kind of got replaced once Jack Palance showed up? Oh, is that true? So maybe he felt like his role, he didn't have a role with the bad guys anymore, so that motivated him even more. To... Is that the same guy that got the initial fight with Shane at the bar? No, he was there, <clears throat> but I don't think he had a line. Like, he was at the bar, and he, he looked a little bit more interested rather than, like, hostile. <laughs> So that's how he's kind of differentiated. Yeah, maybe he was on the fence from the beginning. Maybe yeah. he was like, well, I'm with these guys. They're not so bad. And then once they get a little worse, he's like, all right, they are that bad. The, the kid's pretty annoying, though. And, and when yeah. he's yelling, like, that's not otherwise. But when he's constantly yelling, Shane. Yeah, Shane. you know what it reminds me of is Terminator 2, which is almost a perfect movie, if not for John Connor's squeaky, like, <laughs> we gotta get him! Come on! Come on! <laughs> like, he sounds like some kind of monster. I, I did notice that he was emoting. Like, he, he was showing a strangely uh, feminine side. Uh, sometimes, like, he's like, come on, we gotta do this. Wait, John Connor you're talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Edward Furlong. Yeah. 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 Like, he is a little emotional sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I liked it, though, just because it, it matched the 90s to me. Like, he seemed like a product of the time, and I I liked it. I'm talking about both movies, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the reasons why I picked this movie is because... Uh, have you guys seen The Negotiator? No. No. Uh, the Samuel Jackson? Samuel Jackson Kevin and Spacey? Kevin Spacey. You know, I feel... I, I've seen part of it. I think I was flipping through channels and I caught part of it. Never saw the whole thing. Um, kind of give a background on this. The Negotiator is a movie about hostage negotiators. Uh, both Samuel L. Jackson and Kevin Spacey are them. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson ends up becoming a hostage taker uh, in a given situation. So he requests Kevin Spacey to come out. And one of the first interactions they have... Uh, I'm sorry, before they get to Kevin Spacey, he's talking to, to another negotiator that's kind of like his subordinate that's trying to talk Samuel L. Jackson down. And he tells him, you know, never talk about death when you're, when you're trying to talk someone down. And that's like one of the rules you don't do. And then as soon as he gets Kevin Spacey on the, the, the phone, they start talking and they, they kind of build a rapport with each other and they bring up film. And one of the points that he brings up is, you know, this isn't Shane. Uh, I think Kevin Spacey says, this isn't Shane. The villain's not going to die in the end. And Samuel Jackson says, well, no, he didn't die. He just rides off. He's injured, but he never dies. And then 
Kevin Spacey says, no, you, you have a misconception. He, he got shot. He dies. He, he slumped over on the horse. So I want to ask you guys, do you feel like he dies at the end or does he ride off injured? You know, I just assumed that he died, but yeah, I never gave that a second thought. I, I, he died on his horse. Honestly, yeah, I don't even really. I thought he died in the scene. bar. He no, he rides off. He. he you're sh- talking about Jack Palance. I'm talking. Yeah, the Shane. Shane gets oh, on his horse. Oh, no, Shane's Shane. not the villain. You or said Shane's, the villain. Or, I'm sorry. The sorry, Shane. The hero. The hero dies at the end. Okay. Sorry. Um. Yeah. No, I didn't think Shane died. I thought Shane rode off and lived. All right. What about you, Austin? Uh, I mean, while I was watching, I was trying to see how wounded he was and if he was just trying to put up a brave face or not. So I, I guess I took it on faith that he, the film was telling me he wasn't that injured just because I didn't feel like there was some sort of noble tragicness to the ending. Like, I just felt like it was a happier ending. See, I took it as he, he is writing off and he's... Uh, that's why he never looks back to the kid is because he... He's, oh, he dies. That's why the horse just keeps on going. That's an interesting thought, Mikey. It was easier for the kid to accept him leaving than yep. it was to see him dying. Because he was Since such you love the... me more than your own dad. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm your fatherly figure that yeah. is standing up for you and your family. Hmm. And I gave basically as much as I could, even my life, to protect you. Hmm. Super interesting. That element alone... I mean, I, to me, that wasn't sold, but now that you say that, if they would have done that a little better. Yeah. Because <laughs> they show him riding off, like, way far, and he, the whole time he's just yeah, riding. Yeah, like I just this. figured it was for the same reason that I wouldn't have turned, was I was tired of hearing the kid yell. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to slump over, and the kid will think I'm dead, and he won't ever try to find me. I didn't know he slumped over. Was he slumped? Yeah, his yeah. head was down. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because he was hurt. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, he just didn't want the kid to track him down and be like, "Well, you be my new daddy." <laughs> That's probably why he was probably thinking, "Yeah, I'm, I am going to take your place and I'm going to marry this woman." But then that kid, he was like, "Fuck that kid! <laughs> I can find me another woman." <laughs> yeah, good observation, Mike. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll recue that scene and just the last five minutes of the film. Yeah, it's not overly sold, but I mean, it's it's a possibility. I wonder if he, yeah, he probably intentionally left that up into up to interpretation, which is odd because they didn't really do that very much back then. Um, that's more of a they do it so much now that I'm almost sick of it. But yeah, well, we talked about that like last episode. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Ambiguous endings, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to an extent, that's not big. I mean, it is, but the resolution's there. Whether Shane lives or dies is a footnote to the resolution. Yeah. It's a technicality. The town is still safe. Yeah. The families are still going to persevere. Mm-hmm. Did they really... Oh, yeah, they did. They said it was what... They said what state it was in. Mm. Illinois. Yeah. Was it? Oh, well. I'm not sure. I mean, that doesn't look like Illinois to me. <laughs> Illinois is a flat, flat state. I thought, I, I, I could be wrong, but I thought I saw the Grand Tetons in the background. I mean, it pro, I, they, they said in the movie, like, as in, in dialogue. Oh, okay. So, you're right, it was probably filmed. Elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
Just thought. Mm-hmm. So overall, John, what would you give the movie? A uh, thumb sideways. So you give it your three star? I would say, th- yeah, I would say three stars, just barely. I mean, if I could give it two and a half, I probably would. But yeah, three. I give it three. I give it four. I give it three just because Jack Palance and that one scene on the sidewalk in the mud. Yeah, that was a pretty awesome scene. I kind of like the sexual tension. You know, that is something interesting about westerns, especially in the 50s, is that, especially since women being allowed sexuality is something that's always been frowned upon in American ideology, is the western seems to be the place where that happens. Like, um, Kirby says he talks about Dew in the Sun, which he doesn't think is necessarily a good film, but he likes a lot. And, like, the Jennifer Jones character is kind of in love with the villain or something like that but she's like a very sexualized character not not in the way that we were talking about earlier but um also like in, in a lot of the psychological westerns. sexualized in a judy dench way yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> just having a sexual identity and a sexual preference gotcha. and like that's kind of and like that happens a lot in the psychological westerns where um, one of my favorites is uh seven men from now um Buttaker is uh there's like Lee Marvin and um, the hero, and then there's like this husband and wife there in this wagon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just the way that Lee Marvin does it, he, he makes an, such an obvious play for his wife, pretty much saying that, you know, he's he, he's, he's going to bone her or something like that. <laughs> and it's like all four characters are in the wagon, and it's just this like claustrophobic, <laughs> uncomfortable moment of <laughs> the husband being so neutered and powerless. <laughs> <laughs> It was a time when men were men. (laughs) I don't know about that. (laughs) If that's what a man is, maybe not. Well, in the sense that they have to exert their power over other men that are nearby. Oh, right. In the the pecking order. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's funny. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. What are we watching? Zodiac? Zodiac next week. Which next, hopefully uh, will stay weeks. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Long enough <laughs> so for us watch to watch it. it. As we go watch that tonight after we're done recording, guys. Yeah. That is young. Well, I, I was going to watch it again soon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget to email us at the Nerdflix podcast at gmail.com. And always you can get in touch with us on our blog at nerdflix.blogspot.com. Okay. See you guys in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye. No out.